0: One, one, two. Check me out right here, yo. Yo, the sun don't shine forever, but as track, long as little it's little here, time. then we might as well shine together. Better here. now than never, business right, before pleasure. P. Easy. Diddy and the fam, who you know do it better? Yeah, right, no matter what, be tight. Yeah. So when you hear something, sure you hear it right. Don't make an yeah. ass out of yourself by know assuming our music
1: keeps you moving. What are you doing? Oscar goes to...
0: Ronnie Mallet Rami The gonna get you nothing but choke And that jealousy is only gonna leave you broke So the only thing left now is God for these cats And people know you're too hard for these cats I'm a wing cause I'm too smart for these cats While they're making up facts, they making up oh. plaques In the commission, you ask for permission to hit them You don't like me, him while Wild Wife, he was with them You heard of us, the murderers,
1: more no shady and the Oscar goes to... Olivia Colman.
0: hands, <laughs> my is and Excellence is my presence, never tense, never hesitate. make a bit real quick, real sick. And the Oscar goes to Nick, Nick Bella longer than and David Barley for Green Book. In this world I clutch, cute my toes used to call me fatso, now you call me Castro, my rap flows, militant, y'all faggots ain't killing shit, oops, Chris now keep keeps shit, you overdid it, Holmes, you in the danger zone, you shouldn't be alone, hold hands and say it like me, the most shady, Frankie baby,
1: fantastic. And the Oscar goes too. oh
0: the House! Charlie Wakdale, David
1: Rabinowitz,
0: and me. With the real to the And the goes to
1: Regina Kill <laughs> <laughs> the money
0: that I get my ass on. I never lose the passion to go black now. Said I live it up to all the cash on. Ain't that funny? i use plastic, craft to make plastic, hotter than an acid, D D, on your table, C D, the World War Killer, routine villa, the Famo, ammo is every channel. We've been hot for a long time, running like a what you can do is check your distribution My strong focus is decent My strong focus is decent You ain't got it like me You just mad Cause I tell her how it is And you tell her how it might the be The Oscar goes to Mahershala Ali run the city Show no pity. I'm the witty one, French the Crook from the Brook. Maddy broke the neck of your to coneck No respect. Squeeze off to all y'all diminished. Shootouts for 20 minutes until we finish. Then it's took the loop. Escape in the cool break bread with the kiss, Panero, chic Loose. black Rob. Join the mob. It ain't no replacing him, nigga. Step up. We just macing them, placing them. And Oscar goes to his name I can't pronounce. Alfonso Cuaron you just betray men, you spray men, opposition, competition of the day in the light, of the commission. We got some real life shit from
1: front to
0: And the Oscar goes to Green Book.
1: From front to back,
0: to my niggas in the world, where the fuck you at? With my niggas at? Where my niggas at? Where the fuck my bitches at? With my bitches at? We got the real life shit. From the to back, to my niggas in the world, where the fuck you at? Where my niggas is at? Where my niggas
1: is at?
2: academy awards ceremony we are now looking forward 100 percent to 2019 welcome everybody to force Perspective episode 116 oscar mania 2019 part 2 i'm your host sports guy 515 most of you know me as mark or mark the mark or mizark <laughs> the mizark as draven likes to say um and welcome everybody to another force perspective uh and as usual i am not alone uh with doing these shindigs um First, allow me to introduce my normal Force Respective co-host, Adolfo, returning to Force perspective, <laughs> What's going on, Adolfo? Uh,
3: not much. It's been, uh, been a long time since I've been
1: on here.
2: Yes, yes. I mean, and I said this on the last episode. I think the last Force Respective before that one was, I think, in October. So this is the first one since then with you and I on the show. Um, but speaking of you and I on the show, we also have somebody else on the show as well, returning from last week, Brandon Draven. What's going on, man?
4: Right here, man. Just, uh, opened up a beer here. Have, have a drink with you guys And uh, we'll see Let's get this show on the road
2: Yes. Yeah, so um, mm. This is part two Of our Oscar Mania Spectaculars That we do annually On this show um, Last week uh, Draven and I Pretty much previewed The Oscars Talked about You know, the nominees Who we thought was gonna win And uh, all of that good stuff um, we're, we're,
4: we're pretty spot on On some of them, huh? Like, that was pretty them, good
2: Yeah, yeah we, that was you were, we had. Yeah <laughs> um, But now We're here to talk about The Aftermath The Winners whether we agree with them or not, Um, and then kind of looking forward to 2019 uh, and by recapping our best and worst of 2018. But, uh, Adolfo, since you kind of missed out last week, um, so we're going to start with you when it comes to the Oscars right now. So just overall your impression of the winners, what was your take on that?
3: Well, uh, I was um – you know, uh, we were talking before the show. We went on the air that I was at Disney World during the uh, on a family vacation during the Oscars. So I was at Hollywood Studios that day. Uh, and uh, Mark, you know that whenever you're at Hollywood Studios, you have to see Fantasmic, which is the last That's show, right. the last show of the night, and that ends like around 8:30. By the time you get out of the park and you know onto the bus to back to your hotel, I didn't get back to the hotel till like 9:30. So I missed like the first like hour and a half of the Oscars. So I watched the rest of the Oscars in in our hotel room and. Um, First of all, first impressions, I don't think we need a host anymore because that went pretty quickly. Yeah. For Oscars, that went pretty quickly. Like, the, it was pretty much like, here's an award, uh, here's the presenters, boom, speech, done, next, award, presenters, boom, speech, next. You know, that, that, that was pretty good. I like that. Um, it, it went over like a little over three hours and usually they're like closer to five hours. So I think, I think no host is a good thing. Um, but <laughs> as far as the winners go, like, pretty much what i expected to for for some of them i i knew black panther would win a bunch of technical awards which it did um i i thought uh rami malek would win the best actor um i did not think i i thought that green book had a really good chance to win uh i didn't want it to but i i thought maybe they'd put like a last minute switch on us and go for like maybe an underdog but nope it went to green book um so for the most part there were no major surprises for me uh they kind of all went the way i thought they would
2: yeah now draven and and the thing about green book too let's kind of um move into that a little bit because i know last week uh draven and i we pretty much predicted that was gonna happen even though we both didn't want it to happen just like you adolfo we both said you know what in the back of my mind we think green book's gonna get it and then this is this is a shoot right here as soon as julia roberts said green book i took the little notepad i was writing on and i threw it against the wall <laughs> like legit yeah. a bit of anger i just took that shit and threw it against the wall and went, woke up all of our pets so um but uh but draven like just overall thoughts on on the winners
4: yeah i know the same thing i mean some winners deserve to win some winners i mean you know the best picture category was the most controversial one of the night i think and uh and I, it's something I don't agree with. And, you know, we have, we have, it's not the first time, you know, we go back. Obviously, the, the most famous one is probably Crash, when Crash won. Um, it's just that typical old Hollywood pandering, you know, and sometimes they pander so hard, they make a full circle and come off as just, you know, old time racist. And that's, that's, you see that a lot. And it's still continuing to this day just, they're, yeah. just so out, they're just so out of touch I and mean, we're not even going to get into the whole stevens well we'll later on I have a whole rant on steven spielberg and his his quest to you know uh, shut out netflix and other streaming services from uh, from getting nominated oh wait i didn't hear about this yeah he's kind of he he's kind of uh, trying to uh, get him a uh, I don't, I don't wanna, I don't wanna talk about the whole article, but he wants to kind of, uh, he, he's, he, there's a quest for him to kind of, uh, not allow them. He wants them to honor that whole, what is it, the two, three month window? No, this, it's a month, right? You have to have a month in the big screen to be able to get qualified for the Oscars or, or, um, something like 90
1: that.
3: 90 days. 90 days. So, it is- I, I thought, thing was like you had to screen it at a specific theater in LA in Hollywood that that you know everyone could access and I think that all the Netflix movies did qualify under those rules well he, he's, he's
4: making a big fussy about it I guess because his original plan to charge 50 bucks because remember he was behind all that he wanted to start yeah, and service,
1: that.
4: and I don't think they I don't know if it's still in development or they never went through with it or whatnot but um, he, he, he just doesn't like the fact that you know uh, streaming services are taking away his art form and, and that, that's fucking with him so he's kind of uh, speaking out about it
3: I mean there's something to be said for like seeing films in the theater uh, especially like movies that like are you know big format kind of movies um, but there are movies like come on you don't really need to see that in the theater right like, like if you're talking about something like and I'm just pulling like an old example, like uh, let's say 2001: A Space Odyssey, which is kind of a movie that's meant to be seen in a big, big screen. That's great, right? Or like Lawrence of Arabia or something like that. But if you're talking about, I don't know, um, uh, I'm trying to think of like a good example, like uh, we'll use Green Book. You don't need like see Green, Green Book.
4: Book. You don't yeah. need to
3: see Green Book on a big screen. You can see that wherever, you know yeah but
4: that's old Hollywood, you know, and yeah. old Hollywood tends to stay there it, just like any any I guess any industry right old, older people, people that are from their generation kind of stay tend to stay stuck in it. Yeah. But um to me, it's just we have to move with the times. We have to, especially with these millennials who, you know, want everything on demand now. They want to stay in their houses more. So that's kind of like if you're being proactive, you have to kind of think about that. And and technology kind of is going to dictate that anyway. You know, people are investing more money in, in home theater systems. You're never going to unless you're a millionaire or billionaire, you're never going to get that theatrical experience. Right. But. You know, I think comfort and and pricing are getting more and more people out of the theaters. I'm becoming that old fogey, you know, where like everything bothers me when I'm in the theater now. Personally, like I don't want that teenager, <laughs> you know, with his bright phone trying to check in from from when the movie's already started. You know, I don't want people saying, you know, coming in and out of the aisle. That bothers me. And 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 as the older I, I get, the you know, I started to think about it. I'd rather just stay right there in my 60-inch TV at home and watch the movie there. And I have a good sound system, and that's really all you need, you know. And uh, so, so I could understand that perspective of like we want everything at home now. And and I think Netflix and, and you know Amazon Prime and all those services they're they're ta- tailoring to that market, and good for them. And they've invested a lot of money, and a lot of quality films have come out of that. So I think it's time that you know we start uh, considering them to be uh, celebrated, just like the theatrical features.
3: Yeah, I mean, uh, I agree with you. But, but the thing is, though, I, I, it doesn't bother me as much. The theater going experience doesn't bother me as much just because I don't tend to uh, go um, to the theater during times where like, Quote unquote, normal people go. Like, I'm always going, like, you know, on weekday nights, like at 11 o'clock show or something like that. So, like, I'm usually like the only one in the theater or I'm one of the very few people in the theater. So, like, it doesn't really bother. Like, other people don't tend to bother me because I don't go, like, on Friday night and Saturday night, right? I go, like, at Wednesday night at 11 30. So, like, there's nobody there at that time. Um, yeah. and, and with, like, the, the and not that I'm, like, uh, whoring out for AMC here, but with the AMC thing, like, you know, it, it's just easier, it's just easier now to go whenever you want. Um, but that said, there, like, there are times where, like, um, you know, in like January and February, when I was trying to catch up on all the, like, the Oscar stuff, you know, there was, there was a lot of them that I could just, there are a lot of them that I could just find on demand. And I didn't have to, like, trek out to a theater, like an art house theater in the middle of the night. I could just, you know, order it on, uh, on Amazon or something and watch it that way. So, um, there was something nice about just being able to do that on my laptop.
2: Yeah. Um, for those who don't know, so this is the actual article. I actually pulled it from Deadline and it says, Spielberg, a current governor of the Academy's director's branch, plans to propose changes to Oscar eligibility rules, arguing films that they be on streaming services or get a short theatrical run should qualify for the Emmys instead of the Oscars. Quote, Stephen feels strongly about the difference between the streaming and theatrical situation, an Amlin spokesperson told IndieWire. Quote, he'll be happy if the others will join his campaign when that comes up at the Academy Board of Governors meeting. He will see what happens, end quote.
3: You know, I I respect Steven Spielberg for, like, everything he's done for the industry, but I just can't agree with him here because, I mean, like, if you look at something like Roma, like, you can't tell me that isn't a theatrical movie. Like, I'm sorry. I don't care what anybody says. That movie was a theatrical film.
4: Well, and, and that's the whole thing that a lot of people don't understand the difference between television and and film. And, and you know, to be fair, television has really stepped up their game over the last 10, ten, fifteen years, and they've become way more cinematic. And you know, that's to our benefit, right? Because I love a lot of television myself. But you know, when you're when you're making a film, you're using that screen to tell your story. You you, you know, television is more dialogue driven; it's more storyline driven, and that's a fact. That's just you know, because you 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 get to be more layered and. You get to, uh, you know, your story has a little more depth because you have more time. So you, you'll see that television, um, tends to be a little more deep and also, um, more storyline driven, but it's not as cinematic and it's, and the art form is not there just because they don't have that kind of money. Whereas the theater experience, the theatrical films, they tend to use every single portion of that screen. You know, if you got a great filmmaker, of course, you know, and so there's a lot to be said about that. So how are you going to nominate a film that was shot To be a theatrical experience, uh, for the Emmys. It's a whole different category. It's, it's, you know, you can't, you can't really do that. And, and with that said, if they do put it over to the Emmys, then that film is gonna kinda sweep the Emmys because there's not gonna be anything better than that. Just because it's gonna be so cinematically pure and the story is gonna be so great. So I don't know, it's just it's just you just gonna create another and, nightmare
3: for go ahead. and then you're gonna have people on the Emmy side going, like, wait, this movie debuted in theaters, it didn't debut on television, it shouldn't qualify for the Emmys, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like it's just gonna create a whole problem. So like I, I see I understand, like I I, I respect like the purist in him. But like I, he's coming off like an old fogey. You know what I mean? Like that's I he right. really is that's
4: right. And you know what's gonna happen, right? The moment that Netflix gives him twenty million dollars to uh, as a payday for himself to direct the movie for Netflix, he's gonna he's gonna completely change
3: his tune. You know that's coming, so I'm that's waiting right. for that as well. And it's really only Netflix because because I believe because Amazon does do like the um the th- the the three month window I think like because I think because um, I remember uh, there were a couple movies that Amazon released that um that like I remember Manchester by the Sea was, uh, was a as an as an Amazon film and you didn't yeah. get that on Prime until like months later. That's right.
4: Yes, they still do that, but Netflix doesn't give a shit. Yeah, <laughs> no. like, we, we need these people's chatter now. Um, And actually, I'm not – see, I play it fair because in one of my worst films of the year right here in my list, I do have a Netflix exclusive on here, and um, we're going to get to that. So I'm I'm hitting them them from all angles.
2: Oh, boy. Okay. But let's let's look at these uh, winners for a minute. Now, the thing that kind of struck me, and I I noticed this right after the ceremony, (coughs) was that nobody really ran away – like, no one film ran away with the awards this year. It was a lot more evenly balanced as opposed to previous years, which is interesting. Uh, bohemian rhapsody won four of them whether it deserves those four that's another discussion (laughs) but um but black panther green book and roma all tied with three so um that's a pretty like interesting uh just kind of overall tally when it comes to the oscars because usually there's always one film that runs away with most of them but here like it was pretty much evenly uh evenly dispersed which i don't know what that says about the quality of the films themselves but um, I just thought that was interesting
3: uh Roma got the more important ones though It got like cinematography director and foreign film right so i mean those are pre- those are three pretty big ones um whereas like Black Panther just got technical stuff i think uh, costumes, production design, and one more thing i can 't remember what the other one was um i don 't know what the other one was but it like so it 's like quote unquote like the minor ones right What did bohemian Rhapsody get other than actor
2: both sound awards. Actor oh. and what was the other one? Um, I want to find it. Bohemian, Bohemian. Best film editing, which that's a joke. Really? That was that was a joke, dude. No, you're kidding me. That's one of the worst
4: edited movies I've seen in a long time. No.
1: Yep. No,
3: best editing. Yes. Oh my god. You got to be kidding me. Yeah,
2: that was that was That's one
3: of the worst edited movies of the year.
2: Does <laughs> this one clip on Twitter that was floating around right after that they won that award was I think when he's meeting with the uh, the manager guy for the first Yeah, I know, like the I know the clip. I know the clip. Yeah, yeah, yeah. in like 2 minutes.
3: <laughs> it's so bad. It's really bad. It's really distracting. The only thing I would give them credit for is maybe the last like the concert sequence at the end. But I mean, if that's, that's what they're going scene, on though like you know? the rest of that movie was not very well edited
2: yeah like for real like i think draven and i said black uh black clansman was gonna get that because that's a beautifully edited film but bohemian rhapsody dude like what a joke that was wow.
4: now 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 one thing I, I did disagree with this um is the best actor because as we as we were talking about in the last show oh
1: yeah, like like
4: like Rami malik I didn't get lost in his character because a lot of times it came off as him doing an imitation of Freddie Mercury and that's not, you know, when you're an actor you want to get lost in, in the performance and as a viewer, right? You, want, you don't want to so, I, in other words, I saw Rami Malek way too much for me to like, for him to be a best actor and I saw him kind of making a, you know, imitating Freddie Mercury now I think it should have gone to Kristen Bell myself because that was all Dick Cheney right there. Like it was, it was, and I know yeah, a lot agree, of it was the makeup, 100%. but it's also the way he moved, the way he talked, um, and so and so I thought it should have got to him. So that's yes. that's one of the ones that I disagree with.
2: Yeah, I agree with you 100 percent on that. Although, respectfully, our boy Danny Geekton disagrees with us. He when he said what he watched, he believed Raimi was Freddie Mercury. And I said, nah, okay. no, it, it came up <laughs> to me really as a tribute. Yeah. Uh, I'm kind
3: of in the middle. I think he did a. I think he did a, he, I he did a gr- really good job. Uh, I, I I believe he was Freddie Mercury whenever um, whenever he had the glasses on. That's about it. <laughs> <laughs> no, during like performances, like during like the performance. Yeah, you're stuff, right. You're right. Like yeah. I thought, I was like, yeah, that's Freddie Mercury. Whenever he was just like talking and like interacting with people, not so much. Like uh, he did a really good. I guess you're right. I mean, imitation is probably a good word for it. But impression. It, it, he did a good Freddie Mercury impression. Yeah, it's kind of like um I'm trying to think of an example. Kind of like uh, um, uh, what's his name, Walking Phoenix, and Walk the Line. Like I felt like he was. Of all, I think Walking Phoenix was better. But I felt like I believed him during the musical stuff, but not really during everything else. So yeah, I, it, it's yeah, it's you know, it's I guess. You know, of of all the stuff that happened that night, that's the one that – I don't really – it's fine. He he won an Oscar. Okay, fine, whatever. Uh, Christian Bale would have been fine with me. Actually, everyone would have been fine except for Viggo Mortensen who was like fucking (laughs) Mario (laughs) up there during that movie. Hey, get over here. Like, oh, give me a break. Are you kidding me? And I like Viggo Mortensen, but that was a terrible
2: performance. I'm telling you, man, I, I, I saw Willem Dafoe in Eternity's Gate he should not have been there, bro. Not over our boy uh, Ethan Hawke. He's,
3: so
4: consti- I- he's constantly yeah. getting nominated, though. I don't know if he you knows somebody, but <laughs> even for the Florida Project, which he wasn't even... He was just a character. Like, even he got nominated for that as one. Well, I don't get it. But, uh, but Bradley Cooper's another one that I would have been cool with because the guy, he looked raggedy, and I know it wasn't yeah. all makeup. He actually looked like an alcoholic, and I know some of it was him and, you know, just, I don't know, he, he, he did a great performance himself. And, 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 you know, for just for the performance, not the movie, cause I, cause I have my issues with the movie, but just for the performance, um, either him or Kristen Bale should have won, but they give it to Rami Malik. So I think Rami Malik had a lot of uh, momentum coming in. He, you know, this, this these, these awards are all about, PR and and momentum and you know what kind of momentum you'll get behind you so there's a lot of strategy to winning which is not which is really not fair when you think about it but that's just the way it's been for years you know Miramax found that trick many years ago and they slept the 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 Academy Awards for like three four years in a row so
3: there's a strategy to getting these awards unfortunately but I think that a lot of that stuff has been like pulled back on because of Miramax and the Weinsteins and what they were doing like they changed a lot of the rules of like how you could do screeners and how you could you know do the like the the politicizing stuff because specifically because of that like I, I mean I'm not sure I'm not an insider so I don't know but I just remember reading like an article about how because of that stuff like you know Shakespeare and love winning in 1998 and shit like that that uh, the wine scenes like got their like grubby little mitts all over um, that uh, they change a lot of like how the voting system works and how you can screen stuff without like getting disqualified and things
2: yeah. and what's, uh, what's funny about what we're just talking about right now is that You know, we both said that we liked Raimi during the performing scenes when he was Freddie Mercury, but he was just lip syncing. Like he wasn't actually singing the songs. Like that's just him pretending to sing and pretending to gyrate like Freddie Mercury would as opposed to, let's say, Bradley Cooper.
3: No, I get it, but I I still bought him as Freddie Mercury. But you're right. Right. Bradley Cooper was a better like quote unquote musician. And he
2: actually sung. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah but to be
3: voice. fair, there's certain, there's certain octave tones that you need for only Fred and
4: Mercury had. You can't expect Rami Malek to like, you know, be blessed with with that kind of a voice either. Yeah. So I
3: understand why they
1: did
4: it.
3: Well, I mean, Rami Malek already like one day after his Oscar and it was announced that he's like the next Bond villain. So he's I heard. He's, he's already cashing in, man. Yeah, like, damn right. I mean, good for him. I mean, I have no I have no like qualms with him. Like I have I have issues with that movie, but like um I have no I mean, fine. He good for him. Like he's a decent enough actor. Like that's fine. I don't he's, have a- been,
4: he, he's been around for a while, so he kind of he's kind of paid his dues. Yeah, good for him.
2: Yeah, uh, but before I I kind of revisit Green Book at the end to kind of wrap this up, I do want to say one thing, which I'm sure we're all forgetting right now, is that an injustice was finally rectified with our boy Spiky Lee. <laughs> yeah, home an Oscar finally. That was a great moment, and 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 see Samuel L. Jackson's face. <laughs> as he read his name, bro, that was a great moment when they both embraced on stage. That was that was, that was great. Spike Lee finally. It, has it kind risk. of makes
3: you like wonder how much they like they know ahead of time because like why would you put Samuel L. Jackson there as a presenter if Spike Lee wasn't going to win? You know,
2: exactly. <laughs> I mean, I so know, know they don't like know, the but just foreshadow.
3: I know they don't know, but there's still sometimes you're like, how did they not know that was going to happen? Like, like the time where like Martin Scorsese finally won after like, you know, 30 years of being nominated, never winning. Like, I remember like the presenters were like, like all his contemporaries, like Steven Spielberg and George Lucas and uh, uh, like Brian De Palma, I think, were like all the, or Francis Ford Coppola were like all the presenters. They're like, how did you not know it was going to be Martin Scorsese to bring up those guys? You know what I mean?
2: <laughs> yes that's very true I feel like now i got to kind of look at the presenters as possible spoilers for the winners <laughs> you know? um, also real quick um, I know it probably didn't mean much to us watching although I did, did think it was a great performance just overall thoughts on the uh, Lady Gaga Bradley Cooper thing that took Twitter just by storm afterwards what was that? The fucking <laughs> that's right stage fucking or whatever you want to call Jesus. it <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> good performance though, but everybody went nuts over that
4: they were into their characters, man.
3: They're, they kept Kate Faye alive. That's good.
2: Damn.
3: Right. Well, I, I don't. I don't really know that, but it, it, it's still like the, there's there's some heat there, man. They they dead good chemistry.
2: Absolutely, yeah, that was a great that was a great moment, and yeah, that's going to be played on the on the highlight reels for years to come. Now, but
4: now one I'm of the things of the- too, let me say this: is uh, being a huge genre fan that I am, and uh, a, and you know a huge fan of the exploitation genre. When they did when they omitted Dick Miller from their in memoriam oh, section. Yeah. That, that really fits. Me. Me. They were admitted a lot of people from the in Memoriam. Yeah, but I thought Dick Miller the most because that guy's a that guy's a legend, like a legitimate legend in my eyes.
3: Yeah, yeah that was that was bullshit. He'll 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 pop up on the TCM one. The TCM one is always way better than the Oscar one anyway. But I, I don't understand why they omit people. I mean, is, is it a time thing? It's like the is it- thing. They want to keep it like at exactly like three minutes or whatever, and it's bullshit. Like because like you can cut time from any other thing. Like why do you need to cut time from that? But not only that,
4: every year they get hit for omitting like maybe like, like at most five people. Like are you telling me that, that just throwing those five people in, it's not, it's not like every year there's like a list of 20 people they omitted. It's, it's always like, you know, three to five. So are you telling me that, you know, they can't just include those three to five just so people won't talk shit and, but they, they do it every year. There's somebody they miss every year and somebody big too. They missed a lot. Yeah.
3: They missed a lot. Yeah.
2: Uh, following that on twitter like you know this person got missed everybody like the most i saw that people were complaining about was definitely dick miller like he was the one that people were complaining about the most uh, There was a few other people there's a missed. bunch
3: there dick miller carol channing uh sandra Locke, uh, gary kurtz who was like uh like a yes. freaking like uh, uh sound design like and like pioneer um john mahoney uh Reggie Cathy was forgotten, I think. Oh, that's one of our favorites right <laughs> there. Oh, uh, yeah, <laughs> that's right. I mean, not... Uh, Stanley Donnan, who had died, like, the day before, you could say, well, they didn't have, you know, time. Like, you, you don't have time to edit in one picture. That's a bunch of bullshit. Uh, like, <laughs> Stanley Donnan, who, like, did all, like, the, you know, the big, huge musicals of the 50s. Come on. Um Yeah, they, they forgot a bunch. Dick Miller, obviously. Arlie Ermy, they forgot. Uh, yeah. I'm trying to think of what else was Yeah, those are the ones I, I couldn't I uh came to the top of my head.
2: Um the uh biggest upset, you know, according to the trades, if you read all those websites and papers. Now, the the uh, dirt Olivia, sheets. It's called the dirt sheets. It's called the dirt sheets. <laughs> so, Olivia Coleman winning, even though, Draven, you and I predicted last week that this was a possibility because I said, I was supporting Olivia Coleman since I saw the favorite that she should win Best Actress, but then, within the last like month or so, momentum kind of shifted to Glenn Close. It was like, ah, oh, I guess Glenn Close is going to win. Well, Same Glenn Close exactly is kind of like now. in
3: that Leonardo DiCaprio thing, We're like, wow, how is she number one an Oscar, kind of kind of a category now and it's like but that kind of people notice that like way too late in the race you know what i mean so like like i i, I always thought it was going to be a race with olivia coleman and lady gaga and then like yeah glenn close i never had thought I had a chance and of
4: course we said that a best supporting actor i mean rich richard e grand you know he was awesome oh, in that he should have
3: won it man and, like like Mahershal- and- sorry go ahead no, I was, go ahead. Uh, yeah, no, I'm just pissed off that Richard D. E. Grant didn't win. But what were you gonna say? Yeah, I was just I was just gonna say Mahershala Ali. Like he's like the least shitty part of that movie. You know, like he was fair. He's fine in that movie. But like, and like I have no qualms against him because I think he's a really good actor. But he didn't need this Oscar win. Like he, this movie, it was like it was it was just an okay performance it was competent it was fine but like richard e grant was really good in that movie you know what i mean and he re- like he was, he really deserved it over over marshall ali i think it was just the green book like momentum that got that got caught in there
4: i don't know what sam rockwell was doing he was just playing sam rockwell if to be honest
1: with you <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> sam rockwell that was a weird one because it was like
3: yeah. and it's kind of one of some of my some of my issues with that movie like he played george w bush so Comically, that was like so cartoonishly that it was like way unbelievable. You know what I mean? And yeah. like, that's what, and I was like, no, come on, best supporting actor. And I love Sam Rockwell, but come on.
4: But that's the thing about him is that one of the things that makes him so awesome is that he's Sam Rockwell and he brings a certain way of performing right and that's exactly what he brought and it's always going to be wacky Sam Rockwell is a wacky guy and, and so he didn't even try to kind of become uh, George W. Bush he was just playing Sam Rockwell and that's that's another issue that I have once these these, these actors kind of just have their own style of, of acting you have to get out of that you know and he didn't really do that And but he was on here um, so yeah I had, a, I had an issue I love Sam Rockwell I'm a huge fan of his but not to be nominated for best supporting actor
2: no, you know what it was? It was Sam Walker playing Justin Hammer playing George. Th- <laughs> That's what
4: that was. <laughs> you, you know what? They should have They, they should fucking got a Josh Brolin to be GW to keep continuity with the movies.
2: <laughs> well, they should have had Mickey Rourke as fucking Carl Rove or something. Yeah, with, 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 with right. the, George W. with the
4: highlights on his hair and a parrot. That's
2: or whatever right. the fucking bird he had.
4: Yeah.
2: <laughs> That's right, bro. Um, okay, so let's kind of wrap up the whole Oscars thing. By I just want to kind of put a pin in Green Book right now because you know all, uh, these all these things coming out in the trades all week, whether it should have won, whether it shouldn't have won, and blah blah blah. Everybody has their opinion on that, but basically, here's what it comes down to: it is such a. And we said this, Draven, last week. Bottom line: this movie is basically the safest route they could have gone. They really could have broken some ground in having something like Black Panther win, or something like Black Klansman win, or you know, even I would have accepted a Star is Born for the most part. But I think Roma was the one I was really, really pulling for. Spoilers, that's definitely on my top ten of last year. But Green Book is it's such that it's such as that safe, like happy-go-lucky, you know, pick that it just you you make so much ground with the winners of the other awards, like you take like that old saying you know two uh two steps forward three steps back and it's like you know when you see like something like green book which is essentially you know like spike lee said during all of the uh the press he did afterwards driving miss daisy 2018 it's just you kind of feel it's just a reflection of not only is the academy still like the majority like and i hate to say it like this but it's just the majority old white guy still um but the uh, the change that's coming with the diversity of the of the voting body now it's definitely going to take its time.
3: Well, I mean, I think you're you're seeing the the change a, a little bit with like some of the movies that were nominated. I think the I think you wouldn't have seen movies like Black Landsman or Black Panther nominated if it wasn't for that change. But be, but it's still not enough clearly because something like Green Book won, you know. And like Green Book is like, you know, I've been I've been really harping on how uh, uh, on this on this movie a lot i want to make it clear like if you take it by itself and you just watch the film no like expectations no like oscar talk around it. you just watch it it's fine it's it's totally I agree. it's totally a fine movie it's a movie you can take your mom to it's a movie like you know you can you can watch on tbs on sunday afternoon at three o'clock you know what i mean and like and it's fine But it's not a best picture. Like it's totally not even qualified to be anywhere near best picture. Like are you kidding me with this? Like it's it's a totally like B minus C plus movie. Like it's not terrible. You know, it's kind of enjoyable in some parts. But like when you talk about the best movies of the year and this is the one you pick, you're fucking out of your mind. I do have
4: issues with this movie. I think it's borderline racist. I think the, the whole the whole message of a white guy solving all racism. Oh well, yeah, force, that, too. that too. He forces a black guy to accept his culture, which is all full of stereotypes, by the way. Uh, um, like and, the fried right chicken. Yeah, yeah, yeah or the, that's soul, the
2: worst scene, or the
4: soul music. You know. Um, yeah. uh, but These the, are your people.
2: These <laughs>
1: how you don't know them? These are your
4: people. And and, and, and um, And and the way it ends, you know, it's like the white savior once again, you know, saves the world from racism. You know, it's just some of this, like not even subliminal messages, like straight up messages that that old Hollywood, the good old boys club is still kind of perpetrating out there. It's
3: just it really pissed me off. There there, there is no change. It it absolutely is. It's it's absolutely like a um, make you know, old white baby boomers feel good about not being racist. That's what it is. Yeah, okay. Like, hey, yeah, exactly. At least I didn't do that. I'm great. You know. And then, and then when you look at all the people that were that won the award, all the producers that won the award, there are a bunch of old white baby boomers, right? So, like,
1: you know, <laughs> I,
3: I don't know. It, it, it really is like an annoying win, and it's one of those movies that's like. Kind of like Driving Miss Daisy won in 1989 whenever there was Do the Right Thing, which is a much more socially progressive movie. Or like in 2005 when fucking Crash won and you had Broke Back Bound, which was a better socially progressive movie. You have fucking Green Book winning when like any of, literally, I, I, there are movies on that were nominated that I have a problem with, but literally any of them would have been a better choice. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
4: No, like I said, when I saw this list, I was like, man, it was a shitty year for movies because I, I saw all these movies and, any other year, they would, they probably wouldn't have even been on here. But this year, because there were so little, you know, so few choices, they were all on here. And even, not even that, because there was a lot, like, like we've talked about First Reform. That was a great film, but it didn't, it didn't have the political stroke to kind of get pushed towards the nomination. And there was a lot of them like that. And, and we'll get to them. Cause I got some of them yeah. on my, on my list that unfortunately, cause they didn't, they, they didn't get the publicity. They, they weren't going to get nominated. And that, and that's a shame. But, you know, with all that said, and, and I know Adolfo offer you disagree with me. I thought it was the bad year for movies. Not a bad year, but just not as good as other years. Um and th- this was this is a good representation. Look at the list we have. I mean, they're all they're all you know, they're all good movies. Um I have my issues with Black Panther, and I brought it up uh, last week, um, because I knew that me and you me and you Adolfo were not gonna agree on Black Panther. I I I didn't I think Black Panther is a little overrated. I think the middle section is just it's a little bit of a chore to get through, but it has a great first act and a pretty awesome uh, third act. But that middle portion is like, oh, my God, like we have two ceremonies to crown kings, and right? It's the same ceremony. Why do we have to see? T- why do we have to see it twice? You know, and I understand that once, you know, uh, uh, once a bad guy, once the good guy. But th- I, I was just sitting there the first time I watched it. And I, it, it was just it was like a slug to get through. Like, oh, my God. But uh, but with that said, um, you know, it's still a decent movie. And all the other ones are good movies, too. I thought Black Klansman was awesome. The, I had issues with the ending. I thought it was a little anticlimactic. But again, I, I said why last week. Um, and, and Bohemian Rhapsody, overrated. Um, Star, Star is Born, eh, you know, wasn't that great in my opinion. So all these films, the you know, it's... I don't know. We just had a bad year for movies, in my opinion.
2: Um, just a couple things before we wrap up here, this, uh, this topic. Um, so... One of the big reasons I've been also reading about that it possibly won was just because of the way um, the Academy votes for best picture. Like I don't know which voting system is worse. Like this voting system for best picture or the Electoral College. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> um, like the, I, I can't really explain. I, I read the article. But like basically if I can sum it up in like a sentence, they like – do a ranking system for their picks like from one to eight or one to nine however many best picture nominees there are and then like whatever gets like the least votes they like eliminate that and those votes go to a, like another film like the top three before until somebody reaches like that a certain threshold which i think is kind of stupid it's stupid
3: not, like, like if you're gonna song. rank them like if you get one through eight right so then the the movie at number one should get eight points or the movie at number eight should get one point and then just total them up that way that just seems the way it seems just to make the most sense to me
2: Exactly, and they yeah. also they
4: also, need, they, just, they also need to stick to a specific number of films. Why is this some years ten? Why is it some years nine? Why is it some years eight? Like, just stick to a number and just stick to it. You know, just if it's going to be eight, then it's going to be eight. It just makes it more weird when you're changing just, just for political reasons. Sometimes they
3: go nine, sometimes they go a full ten, and it's like no, just, just, because, just yeah, and yeah. The, the nomination is even weirder, right? Because it's like a certain number of movies have to get like a certain number of votes and that's why you have like sometimes eight sometimes nine or whatever and it's like why don't you just pick like the 10 highest vote getters or the nine highest vote getters, eight highest vote getters like why is it like why do you have to have this weird system like just fucking like these are the 10 movies or these are the eight movies that got the most votes these are them like boom done yeah and, but then, Why I do they know. make it so fucking complicated?
4: And here's the thing: we're here over here venting on all this, and you know people are saying, "Why are they venting so much?" It, it, it is costing them uh, viewers. It is the, the Academy Awards used to be this the, this great ceremony filled with prestige. Now, now the millennials are skipping it because they don't take it seriously because of shit like this. You know, shit like getting horrible hosts. I mean, this year they didn't have a host, which, like you said, it's a good thing. But all these things that we're talking about, they're going to come back to bite them in the ass over the next 10 years. And what are they going to do? I mean, they have to really kind of sit down and just refocus how the Academy Awards are presented and how people uh, get to vote on, not, not people, but the Academy gets to vote on them and just make it clear and just stick to it. Because... Then you, you, you're isolating your audience And you want people to watch this Because there's a lot of money in it from advertising So yeah definitely They have to get their shit together
2: Absolutely um, And then just one last thing Before uh, we kind of move on I do want to get you guys opinion right now I'll start with this question And then um, I'll throw it to Adolfo Then to, uh, to Draven So Green Book winning best picture Worse than Crash um, Right now The way I see it, I think Crash is still worse because at least Green Book to me is watchable. Crash is just a shitty movie overall. But uh, (laughs) Adolfo, worse than Crash? The same? Less? What do you think?
3: Crash is pretty bad. Um, Crash probably still is the worst. Like, I mean, it it is – I absolutely hate that movie. Like, I cannot stand that movie. Uh, Whereas I don't hate Green Book. I just really think it's very average. (laughs) Um, whereas Crash is legitimately bad. Um, it's not as bad as Crash, but it's it's Crash-like. I think I think history is still going to treat Crash
4: as the worst choice. I think Green Book is more, you know, people are upset now, but they're going to get over it. Just because Crash has been seen as that movie for so long, you know. And, and so it's still going to retain its, its stature as the, one of the worst uh, Best Picture winners of all time. Um, but for now, you know this film shouldn't be up there either, you know, and and that's just yeah. So I think Crash is still is still the worst choice. Yeah. <laughs>
1: okay. Especially
4: because and one thing we also got to consider is that Crash had had better films that 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 it would be, So that's another
1: that's thing. right.
2: So with that we can kind of move on from the oscars and we can kind of go into our picks for last year's best and worst of 2018 as is tradition with our oscar mania shows we do a top 10 list of our personal best films of 2018 um but before that do you want to do the worst first or do you want to do best and then worst uh
4: let's do let's do best because i think worst is going to give us more talking points i think
2: that, that that's true okay so um like we did last year and in previous years, we'll do our own number 10s and number 9 and number 8 and take turns, so on and so forth. So I'll start with the honorable mentions. I don't know if you guys have honorable mentions on your list, but I do have a couple. Um, I didn't want to get carried away with honorable mentions, like listed like every other film that I saw this year. But I, So what I tried to do this year was narrow it down to just five, and it was very hard uh, to narrow it down to just five because there was a lot of good films I saw this year. But these five – that didn't quite make the top 10 but you know i just felt like had to be acknowledged had to be talked about Are as follows um if beale street could talk the favorite eighth grade sorry to bother you and first reformed uh, adolfo did you have any this year
3: uh yeah i'm gonna go um my if you're if we're sticking to just five i'm gonna go first reformed annihilation uh avengers infinity war can you ever forgive me and mission impossible
2: Draven, do you have honorable mentions?
4: Yes. Um, I'm going to go with uh, Mandy. I'm going to go with uh, Upgrade, um, Leave No Trace, and I'll go with um, – I only have three, so we'll stick with those three.
2: Yeah, and there's just so many that I, I wish I could have mentioned. Like, you know, just off the top of my head, you know, Isle of Dogs, A Simple Favor, Boy Race, Mid-90s, um, Love, Simon, Deadpool 2, Upgrade. Those are, those are great movies that came out that I really enjoyed. But they didn't have the impact on me as these five did. You know, the great, awesome movies, but didn't quite make the top ten for me. So speaking of that, we're going to start now with my number ten movie of 2018, which is Annihilation. It was the first movie, I think, of 2018 that I saw, and I was just absolutely blown away by all of it. You know, it was from the uh, director of Ex Machina, which is another movie that I really, really loved as well. Um, great performance by Natalie Portman, our boy uh, Oscar Isaac as well um just a a great movie great visuals really great sci-fi storytelling that just left you with a lot of questions you know as to like its substance and i love movies that like just give you a talking point that just kind of sit with you you know and that's the thing i think that all these 10 movies had in common um that i have on my list here is that these 10 movies had me thinking had me talking about it like well after i left the theater and they just make great conversation starters conversation pieces and annihilation just with the stunning visuals and it's kind of complex um messages and themes just was a great way to start the year for me okay uh, adolfo cool. you want to go next
3: uh no I, I agree with you on annihilation I, I it just made it just missed my it was in my honorable mentions but i really enjoyed that movie i liked the uh, I, I really um Love the sci-fi element of it all, and I love the. It's not like a very clean sci-fi movie in the sense; it's like really ambiguous, and it's not like your typical like kind of blockbuster sci-fi. So I re- I really enjoyed that movie. I I think it's still probably like the has the scariest moment of the of the movie year with that fucking bear. That fucking bear still gives me nightmare. Oh yeah. Um But the but yeah, I love that movie. That was a great movie. That one's also on
4: my list, so I should just talk about it now. It's actually my number two movie of the year. Oh, nice. So, um, no, like you said, you, you both of you hit it dead on. I mean, it was, it, and I love how it was an homage to a lot of other little, like, great genre films. Like, there was a little bit of Predator in there. There was a little bit of Alien in there. Uh, there was a little bit of Lost in the Woods kind of films in there. Um, and, and it was, again, it was more of a girls go out on a mission, which is another great film trope. And, and, you know, some, some of the, some of the, like, scares were great. Um, and it, it was a great movie. And, and you could literally kind of like what I like about that film is that they never really tell you. You're, you're kind of discovering everything with our leads, right? So, so you're getting as freaked out as they are because they've never been in that world. You know, they went into the, uh, I guess, what do you call it, where the, 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 the alien kind of set their, their little uh, like dome or whatever. They decided to go in there. And the ending was also uh, very good and it kind of leaves it ambiguous as to what really happened at the end. Although we could kind of connect the dots so it was a great film and again it's one of those films that when the film's over and they turn on the lights you're still kind of there thinking about it and um it, it was my number two film of the year Any, anytime you're thinking about it anytime you actually get like a like a physical reaction like your heart's beating faster or you know you're just kind of you know you're, you're thinking about it and it's and it's affecting you um it's 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 a, it's a win so I, I definitely liked it so that was my number two movie of the year nice
2: the uh, dolpho You're number ten. Sure. No. Uh, no. Oh, yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm
4: sorry.
3: Yeah. Because you. Yeah. You didn't have
4: annihilation. Okay. Go ahead. Yeah. No.
3: I, I have annihilations in my. Is it, it just? It just missed the, the cut. Like I really liked it. Um. But um. But but I just just missed the cut for me. Um, I'm gonna go. Uh, the number ten is always my blockbuster spot, uh, and it, it's gonna go to Black Panther. Uh, just because I think Black Panther was. I, I, I hear what you're saying with some of its faults, and I agree with you that it's not a perfect film. Uh, but it was a thoroughly enjoyable popcorn movie from start to finish to me. Um, and I think that is uh, to me like. That is important in a year like where you have movies that like, that make you think and some movies that, you know, are supposed to like kind of t- t- tackle issues. Sometimes you just want like a good popcorn movie and, and number that like a lot. They, there were some good popcorn movies this year. Like, uh, I think Avengers was really good. Mission Impossible is really good. Um, and, uh, Black Panther to me was the best of the, of like the blockbuster films. So, um, that, it, that's why it's at my number 10. It, it was i mean like i said
4: it, it has some great moments in it um michael b jordan i thought it was excellent in it. he was probably the best part of the of the film um the girl that plays uh, uh michonne on the walking dead Daniel aguero is that her name yeah. yeah yeah she was really good in it as well i mean there, there was a lot of good performances um i just felt like even in the mcu films it was just stretched out a little too long and and uh, my, my Mostly my issues with it is the editing And other than that I really enjoyed this
2: film too Black Panther is actually my number 9 So I'm going to just get my number 9 out of the way right now Pretty much like you said Adolfo It really was you know In a lot of ways a cultural milestone When it comes to Black Panther And a lot of the recognition that it got in that regard Is very, uh, very timely and very well deserved But just as a movie Like just the amazing visuals Which it did win the Oscar for Best Production Design for Um was just really striking I love the uh, visuals I love the cinematography In this film uh, Michael B. Jordan As like that badass MCU villain Probably the best MCU villain Or at least second best MCU villain Behind uh, our boy Helmet Zemo Well Thanos uh, too Infinity You gotta War. throw Thanos
4: In there as well now And I
2: gotta throw that Well I'm hoping to see Like how his Like how his arc In the MCU Kind of culminates With Endgame But right now Like before Like thinking about Infinity War Like it's uh Michael B. Jordan And Helmet Zemo So um, that was just a heel, great heel in that movie. You know, uh, Chadwick Boseman was great as Black Panther. Just I, 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 loved the movie from start to finish. It was a great thrill ride, um, and that's my number nine.
3: And I, I think uh, the, but, the other reason I put it in there is because it is, um, it was kind of a huge cultural touchstone this year. Like everyone saw that movie. You know, like yeah, Avengers: Infinity War may have made more money, but like I think more people talked about Black Panther this year than, like, any other movie. Like, it's going to be one of those movies, like, it's, like, this year's, you know, like, Independence Day or this year's, um, trying to think of another, like, big, huge movie. Independence Day is the only one that comes to mind for some reason. But it's, like, the big movie of the year. And, like, I think, um, it's going to be talked about for, like, years to come just because it's, it, like, everyone went to see it, you know?
4: The only thing about
3: this is that you could
4: tell back in 2015, uh, that our boy Andy Serkis was gonna be a little, around a little longer than he ended up being, but there was a change in plan somewhere, <laughs> and, uh, he did the JOB, the second movie he did the JOB before his time, by the way. <laughs> um, right. and, and so I got a kick out of that. It's always good seeing Forrest Whitaker get a payday, Angela Bassett, you know, again, the, one of the recurring themes about the mcu is that they always put so much care into their films and that's one of the things that all these other studios trying to make this connective universe is they don't understand you have to have a little heart you have to get the the the, the people behind the film have to be fans of the product they have to be inspired and that's how you get these kind of films you know you people believe in them and this is no different you know and and the MCU universe one of the things that they have done wrong that i've always criticized is that their villains have always kind of been on the weaker side they, they that's one thing dc kind of gets right in a lot of ways they they really protect their villains whereas mcu doesn't really do that marvel doesn't really do that with their films uh to a point because you know one of the one of the common threads with with mcu villains and the best ones is that human element they have? You know, we talked about Simo earlier. We talked about um, the Michael Keaton character. We talked about uh, the Michael B. Jordan character. All, all they have in common is that they they have a human element to that, and their motivation is human. You don't have the typical mustache trolling, you know, villain that that kind of has been the norm in these films so whenever you have uh whenever you put a little meat into these characters they, they they do resonate with us and that's how you get the best villains and like you said you know killmonger was probably one of the better villains they've had and i think he really carried this film in a lot of ways and so um it, it was it was a very good film
2: so now uh draven your number 10
4: my number 10 is a film it's a small film called tyrell um it kind of made the rounds. It came out in January of 2018, but I didn't see it till, um maybe in the middle of the year because it was doing the festival circuit. Uh, this film is very interesting. It's, it's definitely a character study. And it was actually the last film role of Reggie Cappy, by the way. He passed away soon after oh, this. Yeah. And it starts one of my favorite character actors that doesn't get enough love in Hollywood, Christopher Abbott, who, who's pretty awesome, and I enjoy everything he does because he does a lot of these little independent films. Um, he's gotten some big paydays, but he's never got – Hollywood has never pushed him as much as they should. It stars Michael Cera, um, Caleb Laundrie Jones, which is another character actor that you see pop up from time to time in big Hollywood movies. And essentially this is a film about um, Ty, uh, Tyrell is a, is a young black man who goes on a weekend retreat with with a bunch of white friends. And the film is very subtle, and it ta- it, it takes you from the point of view of Tyrell – and his name is Tyler, by the way, but the but the white folks keep in calling kind of Tyra, which is where the film name comes from. <laughs> and it's all from his point of view. And he starts he starts noticing all the subtle racist things that are going on around him. And it starts kind of it starts kind of driving him a little mad. But the film doesn't make it clear. I guess in rewatches, you get a little more and more whether or not it's him, how he's interpreting that information or if it's really happening. And the way it does it, it's, it's a very engaging film because there's a lot of little things that whatever whatever you kind of feel about the film kind of reflects your personality as well so um is he overreacting or is is it all there and and that's one of the things that stood with me about this film and um it's got a it's got a a little bit of an anticlimactic ending but other than that it, it really resonated with me and i'm putting it that's number 10 of the year
2: um is that on streaming right now like where can we find that movie?
4: Uh, I believe is you could you could rent it. Um, I okay. started in an art house theater here, but um, you, I believe you could rent it on Amazon Prime, iTunes. It is available. I don't think it's streaming yes, anywhere.
2: Down now. Yeah, I'm writing this down now. I'm definitely adding it to the watches. That looks like an interesting film. So, Michael Cera still getting paydays, bro. That's what it's, me, I got to it, it, it's, it's, right it's,
4: it's one of those films that doesn't really have a plot. It's like one of those like like Richard Linklater films from from yeah. you know. But it's just what's going on with the characters. You know what I'm saying? It's just one night out in the woods, and you know he just happens to be a black man amongst all these white friends. And the issue comes about. There's a lot of issues on camaraderie because all these all these dudes are all comfortable with each other. And anybody that has a group of like friends in their mid 30s, you know, you understand that there's certain things that we let go, right? Because we're all we've known each other from since since you know for many years, 20, 30 years so we could talk about things that are not probably politically correct to talk in the real world so there's a lot of that going on and so if 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 tyrell goes into it you know being being kind of an outsider are they really being bad people or is that just who they are and how they are around each other and that's those are some of the questions that are brought up um and and it's it, it's it's a good film it's a lot of paranoia in there too so it's, it's it's a pretty good film
2: oh definitely gonna check that out then it sounds interesting um so I already did my number nine, which was Black Panther. Um, Adolfo, your number nine.
3: Uh, my number nine is uh, A Quiet Place um i really enjoyed I enjoyed this movie a lot um now i haven't seen it since uh it came out in theaters but uh, so i'm still kind of working on my my initial impression of the film but i really enjoyed the film um uh, i thought this was in 2018 was a pretty decent year for genre films and uh i think a quiet place is one of the movies that kind of you know was more financially successful i really dug the conceit of not being able to talk during the whole film uh and which which really kind of um in a in a fun way uh made the sound uh the sound design even more important and i think it was this, uh nominated for a sound award uh but th- which you should have won, well, by the but way. I guess it didn't My win. Opinion. Um, but I, I think it was very well directed by, I don't think he, I don't think this was John Krasinski's first film that he directed, but I think he did like a couple other things, but, uh, it, this is the kind of the first big thing he's done. And I think it was a pretty good, uh, it's a very well done thriller, very well done, like, you know, monster movie, um, lot of really, uh, memorable, Memorable scenes, especially the one in the bathtub where uh, with uh, Emily Blunt. Um, I, I just I enjoyed the whole film. I, I thought from start to finish, it was a really effective uh, uh, horror genre film.
2: A Quiet Place for me is number four on my top ten. Um, just everything you said. Just um, experiencing that film in the theater with that whole concept that they couldn't talk, and just kind of seeing how the characters adapt to a world like that. You know, I thought it was very realistic. I thought it was very well done. The acting was phenomenal from all the cast members, not just Krasinski or Emily Blunt, but the kids there were, were amazing as well. Um, it was just a, a fun little horror movie, too. Um, and I don't know if anybody saw what Krasinski tweeted last week, but there is going to be a sequel next year. Uh, I don't know if I want uh, that. I know. I, didn't, I'm I not, think it I'm was fine how it that, was.
3: But, I don't think we needed a sequel or whatever.
2: Yeah, I felt like, you know, even with the way it ended, it felt like that's like the end of the story. Like, What else could you possibly say? But Um, They are making a sequel for next year, but um, just like I said, just an amazing film experience, especially with just the way like the story was structured around that whole concept and how they made it work. It was just a phenomenal storytelling. So that's my number four for the year.
4: Um, I I really enjoyed it, too. Um, It was I guess you could say it's one of my honorable mentions. Um really loved some of the tension. I really love some of the way he handled that world building without having any time to do it, like in the basement where he has all those newspaper clippings and whatnot. Um you, you right. get to learn what actually happened without them having to spend three, four minutes of exposition, you know, which is pretty clever. Um and also, you know, but the only thing that bothered me was that goddamn nail that was on the staircase, bro. Like <laughs> like they knew they passed it about five times. Why don't you just hammer that sucker down, you know? Uh, but uh, no, it was a great movie. I had I had issues with um with the daughter character because a lot of this shit is her fault. And and I understand they're they're, they're trying to get heat. I understand that, but but
1: it's called get heat.
4: <laughs> but I, I don't know. I just felt like th- there was a sense of her being kind of very ignorant to serve the plot. But then uh, you know at the end of the day, who if she, if she was kind of uh, naive or whatever, um she got it the worst, man, because she's... Well, I don't want to spoil anything, but let's just say that that if, if if anybody wants to categorize her as the villain, nobody got it worse off than her at the end. Let's just put it that way. Uh, for all the shit she's going to have to deal with going on in the future. Um, yeah. Because a lot, a lot of the stuff that happens is her fault. Um, and so she kind of puts her whole family in certain situations. Uh, but no, this was a great film and, and uh, John Krasinski definitely hit all the park. I believe he's only he only did The Office episodes. I think this was his first actual film, um, but yeah, he did a great job. And you're right; um, so the, the sequel inherently is going to bring us an explanation to these creatures, which is either you know could be a bad thing or a good thing. But it's most in, in previous cases, it's been a bad thing. You know, once we have to kind of find out their origin, all that stuff. It, it kind of, Every time they do this with any of these other films, it, it, it kind of diminishes the impact of the first one. And you don't want to you want to do the opposite of, of a sequel. You want to enhance the first one. You don't want to diminish it, everything that you experience.
3: Yeah, well, maybe it'll be more aliens to alien than it is like anything else, but we'll see. I hope so. <clears throat> well, that would be pretty cool, but then that's going to be a pretty noisy film. So it'll be the opposite. That's true. But you know what I mean, like, something that, like, that like kind of takes a different direction, like, you know, where it's more of an action movie as opposed to a horror movie. And it's, like, you know, something that, like, adds to the universe instead of, like, just does the same thing again. Yeah,
4: yeah no, and, 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 you know, I've always tried to put myself in – whenever I hear there's a sequel announcement to a great film that kind of doesn't need it, I always try to give myself that exercise, right? Like, what would I do? And, you know, sometimes I just won't get it right. I'll just give up and I'll be like, I just – but if not doing it is, is not an option, then I would go a different route. Even though it would not be the best route, I think like if for anybody that's seen the the Rec movies, Rec One and Rec Two are a great companion to each other because Rec One is this great, like very intimate horror film that takes place in an apartment complex, uh, the demon possession and all that. And then wreck two takes place after wreck one, and they send the military in there. And guess what happens? It goes fucking batshit crazy. I've never seen wreck two. Wreck one is one
3: of my favorite horror movies. I've well,
4: wreck two is pretty awesome. Wreck two is a great companion because it's the it's like like same thing like you said the the aliens to alien because they right after wreck one ends. The, the, the military or the SWAT team, they stormed that apartment complex because they obviously, by this point, everybody knows what's going on. And there's a lot of demons in there. And it's pre, it's, a, it's a pretty goddamn good time. And, and it's almost like a video game because, it, it, you know, you see all that shooting and them trying to get the demons. So it's pretty good. Um, Rec 3 and Rec 4, avoid those like the plague. They're not that good. But Rec 1 and Rec 2 are the ones people should watch. Yeah. All right. So is it my turn?
2: Yes. your number 9. Okay. My
4: number 9 is, uh, our boy Lance von Trier is the house that Jack. Uh, oh I, I, I love this film. Now, now here's the thing, folks. Like, this is not a film that's. I don't think I'm ever gonna buy because it's not a film you want to watch over and over again, like like most of his films, right? But I saw this. I saw this one time in the theater, and it left me with a huge impression. It's about uh, it's about um, a serial killer played by Matt Dillon. His name's Jack, and it's just him kind of recounting his descent into madness. And how he's kind of become uh, this progressively worse serial killer as the years have gone on. And, and he's telling this, this I'll just say companion, because it does have a little bit of a twist at the end. Uh, he's kind of telling him his life and, and how he came to be how he came to be. And, of course, with any Lars von Trier f- film, you're not just going to get a linear story. This guy's all over the place with symbolism and all that. But it's, it's, it's pretty disturbing, and it's not for everybody. But what I like about it is how you get into the mind of Jack and how you see he doesn't the the actual uh, act of being a serial killer is not glamorized. You could see his internal struggle and you could see how disturbed he is even with himself. Which leads us to the third with the third act of the film, where they have like this like Dante's Inferno kind of. Then it gets really wacky because he's kind of trying to go over this volcano. And I'll leave it at that for the people that haven't seen it, but it's a great film. It's it's a long film, but it's definitely worth the ride if you're more open to just like this deep character study of a man who's uh who does who's who's who's, you know who's insane and who needs help, and um you 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 see how you know serial killers are not these these glamorous guys who don't give a fuck. They're actually people that need. They're very mentally disturbed, and they themselves um. There's a conflict within themselves most of the time, all the time really, and nobody's in more pain than these kind of people. So I, I love how I portray that, and that's why it's my number nine. It's a great movie, man.
2: Yeah, it's definitely a well-made film overall. But you know what it is? Like the reason why it's it's I'm keeping it out of like my list is because I don't know, like seeing like. Lars von Trugo go meta and just jerk himself off, and you know what I'm talking about when you know in certain scenes where they he's 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 name dropped in his own movie, bro. Like <laughs> I was like, come on, yeah, that's bro. true. Like
1: really,
4: yeah,
2: that's true. <laughs> like, but, but, come
4: on, but that guy always delivers though because he I think he is he's depressed and real. He's got kind of on record. I think he's bipolar or he suffers from uh, from uh, uh, extreme uh, uh, depression, and it's all reflective in his films. Like it's almost like his films. Are his treatment you know to keep him sane because this guy like whenever I see his films I could uh, you know nobody else could make those movies it has to come from a very specific artistic point of view of one person and that's him and so that's why I always get so fascinated by his films because there's so much in it that reflects him and a lot of it is not pretty and here is the same thing here and um, I I really enjoyed it I'll never watch it
3: again but I enjoyed it (laughs) So, I uh, this film has, like, I have not seen it yet. I, 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 it's on my list to see. I haven't gotten to it yet. All I know is that everyone I've talked to about it, it is extremely divisive. I've heard good things and I've heard terrible things. I've heard, like, things, like, along the lines of what you're saying, but I've also heard what, what things that are, like, Mark is saying. It's like, it's really, like, masturbatory. So I don't know. I, going, well, but then again, it's Lars Trier, so you kind of have to, like, uh, you know, sometimes like you can get like something like melancholia, or sometimes you get antichrist, you know. So, yeah. so, uh, we'll, we'll see because, uh, I'm gonna, i to check it out at some point. I just haven't gotten to it yet, right? Yeah. All right, so number eight, we're at number eight, right?
2: We're at number eight now, yes. And number eight for me personally was a star is born now. I think I know what you're going to say as far as, like, kind of the problems you had with the movie, Draven. But I think for me, the the thing that kind of kept me talking about this movie, the thing that kind of had this movie just kind of sit with me for the three, four months since I've seen it, and I've seen it, like, twice now since then, um, it's just the chemistry between Lady Gaga and Bradley Cooper, just great, amazing chemistry. And, you know, when you have, like, a movie like this that's dependent on, like, the two leads, when it's supposed to be a romance, you know, having chemistry, you know... I just love the that the work they both had together, the, the both on the screen as acting and then when they did the songs together. Like, great soundtrack, amazing soundtrack, I might say. In fact, I, I think I bought it, like, the day after, you know, the movie came out. Um, just, it was an amazing ride. You know, the, the story, obviously, is very similar to the other adaptations to a stars when they didn't really differentiate or go in a different direction from, like, the normal plot of that, you know, story. But I just felt that, you know, the experience... Of you know their concert sets together, the experience of just them seeing them together, acting and doing a tremendous job at it. You know, it's that, that movie sat with me for a while, so that's why I'm putting as my number eight of the year.
4: Yeah, I think this is a case of like having a basic script, a, a, a kind of by the number story, um, and just having some great performances, kind of elevated, um, and just some great uh, directing as well. So um, I mean, it's not a bad film in any way. It's actually one of the best. Obviously, got nominated. It's one of the better ones of the year. It's just something I'll never watch it again, you know. And I, I've seen all the ones before them. There's they, they. This is a remake, so there's been around I think twice before this. Um, three, time. so, three times.
1: Three times. Yeah.
4: So uh, no, it's a very simplistic uh, film, and and it works. So that's the key. So so I, I don't disagree with your pick. It's just this is not the kind of film that
3: grab that I gravitate towards. Uh, I'm gonna go ahead and say uh, this is on my list. I'm gonna just it's it's uh, up higher. It, I have it at number five for me. Uh, I think just kind of what you said, Mark. It's it's not so much that the story is all that you know innovative. It's not. It's it's the like we talked about. It's the fourth a stars born in history. Uh, it's actually technically the fourth remake because before the first a Star is born in 1937, there was another movie called What Price Hollywood in the early thirties that the first a Star is born remade. So this is like the fourth remake and the fifth version of the story. So like, uh, it, it's, it's been around for a while. Like literally like every generation gets one. So like when, you know, in like 30, 20 or 30 years, my, my daughter will see her version of it. Right. But like, uh, you know, it, it's, I, I really enjoyed the film. Like, even though the 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 plot is simple, um, it, it's the performances that got me. Like the the both the, the with the two leads with Bradley Cooper and Lady Gaga. Um, I thought the songs were actually good. Like, the songs sounded like real pop songs, like real country songs, like real whatever. Mm-hmm. So like, and, and and it was just very incredibly well executed. So to and and it worked on me. Like it, all the emotional beats worked on me. Uh, all, everything and whenever a movie takes you on a ride and like completely and it hits all the beats that that on your like emotional levels like you i I have to recognize that so that's why it's at my number five
4: all right uh mine would be a, a little netflix exclusive that came out in the middle of last year called the night comes for us which is an indonesian uh action thriller and it stars uh I believe his name is Iko Uwais, who was also in the raid, the raid two. He was, uh, he was one of the, I guess you could say, villains. Although I shouldn't say that because that's that's the twist in uh, mile twenty two. Um, and um, it's again, it's 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 your typical, you know, wham bam thank you ma'am, you know, Indonesian action thriller, right? The the John Woo kind of kind of style of films. Um, and, and, but it's just awesome. It's a great ride. And what I love about these kind of films is when you sit down and you, and you watch the first second of that film, you don't blink into the last second of this film. And it's one of those films where, like, the, the stunts are just phenomenal. The action is nonstop and, and they do a lot of practical effects, you know, so you see the crashing cars and all all this shit is awesome that you really don't see in Hollywood today because it's all CGI. Um, and it's your typical story, right? About this, this, um, Former gang enforcer who who is sent to kill a little girl and he doesn't want to. You know we've all been there before. He doesn't want to kill her, so the so his gang kind of turns on him and he's on the run. But just one of the that what separates these films from from like a like a you know run of the mill action movie is the character development and that's very important. Um, So that's what separates this from like a Jason Statham kind of film, where it's just like
2: or something like Triple Nine. Yeah, right? yeah. talking about for like an hour. But well, that one was trying to get
4: too cute for itself, and it ended up backfiring. And just a lot of the character development and how and how how they how they take their time and getting to know these people and their conflicts and then the payoffs you know and then the they build villains and then the it's like the kung fu game all these films are essentially the game kung fu from nintendo um you know you go from one level to the next level or or, or game of death by with bruce lee i mean it's just essentially well that's what it is but it's just the way it was shot the way that the characters the action um, uh, it was great and and Iku wise has a lot of charisma. You know, that, that, again, he was in the raid for the people that don't know. He was the lead character there, um, and he's actually getting more and more American gigs. For, good for him. Um, so this is this is my number eight, and is yeah, we're in eight. Yeah, uh, so that was uh, this is it right here. So it's on it's on Netflix right now. People should check it out. Yes, Let, yes, it's
2: a Netflix film, so definitely. The night comes out, for everybody. us. Um, and I noticed that, uh, Adolfo, you talked about A Star Is Born, but they didn't give your number – actual number Oh, eight. yeah.
3: Sorry about that. <laughs> uh, my number eight uh, – I was just – because we were talking about A Star Is Born, so I just picked it up there. Uh, my number eight is actually Hereditary. Um Hereditary I think is uh one of the best uh, horror movies of the last year. I, I really loved everything. I think Tony Collette was fucking robbed by not giving that's a, right. a that's uh, right. best actress nomination. Uh just kind of like every year genre movies tend to like not make it. I mean, we saw a little bit of it with Black Panther, but for the most except, part except, genre, for of, except for
4: Silence except for of the lapse, they
3: end they just upgraded because they their big eagle won't allow them to say that's a horror movie. Right, exactly. Um but it, it, genre movies don't usually get, you know, a much recognition but it's a fucking crime that tony Collette did not get an oscar nomination for this film because she was amazing in this film um but uh it was uh it's a, it's a kind of horror movie that we're seeing now a little bit more nowadays where it's it's not about the jump scares it's more about like the feeling of dread that you get the whole way through and a lot of people have some issues with the ending i don't i think the ending works for me i think it's creepy and fucked up and weird and i yes. just like the rest of the movie i love that movie uh and um i think everything on the on this movie works from the cinematography to the acting performances you know a lot of you know I, i'm focusing a lot on tony collette but gabriel byrne was really good in here and the, and the two kids um who i don't really know their names off the top of my head but uh, they were really good especially the little girl uh who's super creepy throughout the throughout the well throughout her running time in the film uh it has one of the probably the best kind of turning points in a movie i've seen all year Uh, i'm not gonna say it here because i I don't want to give it away for those who who haven't seen it but but everyone in the theater literally went (gasps) when it happened and it was fantastic um but yeah i love this movie uh i think it was uh, a a horror like masterpiece
2: um hereditary for me is my number three so i'll just say my little piece about it right now um I actually got to see this at an advanced screening at Alamo Drafthouse, which I believe talked about on Adolfo's uh, Essential Films at some point in 2018. But um yeah, just an amazing experience, great crowd as well. And yes, that same scene you're talking about, Adolfo, like everybody just flipped their shit and started clapping right after that because of the scare it gave them. Like, you know, horror fans, you love a good scare. So like when something scares you the way that particular part of Hereditary does, you just you clap at it because it's just, you know, it did its job in an amazing way. Um, and then just everything from the story to the character development, especially and Tony Collette's performance. Oh, my God. Just piece de resistance right there. Amazing. She was absolutely robbed of the recognition she deserved. Um, and then, yeah, I'm still talking about that ending because I still don't quite understand it. Um, but it's like I feel like I had to do like some additional research, like the demons that were involved in that to kind of like maybe understand it a little better. But I'm still like sitting here like I really don't know still what happened at the end but that's what's great about it because it invites rewatches and that's you know i think one of the great uh, things that a great movie can do is it invites rewatches so you can discover things all over again um so yeah my number 3 you know enough said is hereditary just an amazing uh,
3: uh, just just a real quick if you think that ending was confusing uh you haven't seen the susperia remake have you <laughs>
1: I have
3: because oh, that, that ending That's is that. really fucked up you're like what the fuck is going on I, now don't get me wrong i love the, Sus- the Suspiria remake but I, I i was sitting there wondering like all right what the fuck is happening now so uh yeah but anyway
2: i this is i watched i, I bought the blu-ray the week it came out and i was my, my, my second viewing and i'm sitting there again like I still don't fucking get it, <laughs> but uh, I'm hoping with time, like maybe I'll, I'll be able to maybe appreciate it a little more. But I'm still after two views, I'm still like uh, I'm, I'm not following you But all right, <laughs> okay. So her-
4: hereditary is in my num- my number five of the year. So let me go ahead and say, um uh, I've seen it. I've seen it four times, and uh, you're right. After the now, I know now I know what's going on, and it all makes complete sense. I'm not going to talk about it here because we don't want to spoil it for the people. But um, no, once you understand what's going on, it's an even better film because everything that precedes it, like the film is essentially one big puzzle box. And the what the filmmaker did here so brilliantly was that he, like you said, he allowed, he, he's giving you the opportunity to rewatch it and rewatch it and start connecting and connecting and connecting. And then you get the big payoff and it's a very rewarding payoff. And it all goes all the way back to the first scene of the movie, which is excellent. Um, yes. And so the the I compare this film to The Witch because it's it's you get that sense of dread from the entire fucking two hour runtime there's a there's a sense of dread and when you do that properly in a movie theater filled with with people watching it like that energy kind of resonates with you because everybody else is tense so you kind of get tense as you're watching the movie and it's a good theatrical experience in that sense um and even even when it does build to the boo scares quote-unquote they're all great and they're all earned they're not cheap scares every single one of the scares that you're going to get in this movie is earned to the 10th degree um, and, and like, like we've talking about, we've been putting over Tony Collette the most, but everybody came, came to play in this one. Everybody did a great job. Um, and it's one of those films that's forget about it being a horror film. It's just a great film in general. It's, if, if it would have been directed by one of these like avant-garde filmmakers, like if this would have been like a Stanley Kubrick film, everybody would have been talking about it. But since it's not, it's just relegated to like a, you know, run-of-the-mill horror film, which it's not. Um, I really appreciate the, the amount of research that the filmmaker did he did a lot of research for this film to piece together the story on certain kinds of, on certain you know demons and stuff so so yeah no it's a great film and it's it's it, the
3: rewatchability factor is 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 pretty good as well and, and you know i mentioned this the first time we reviewed it on the show because the film is called hereditary and because they introduce the um the element of like mental illness uh it, 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 as part of like you know that her mother had mental illness or whatever like the whole movie the first on the first viewing because uh, after the first viewing you know what's going you kind of know what's going on but on the first viewing like you're you kind of start questioning is this actually happening or is she just having a mental breakdown uh because the because of all that stuff that they introduce ahead of time in the movie and that really on the first time watch that really uh like is satisfying yeah, it's, it's, a,
4: it's a good red herring. That's a great red herring that he put in there. And I know he probably didn't have nothing to do with the trailer because that's usually marketing that takes care of that. But um, but you're right. We went in there with certain expectations. And then it's not till like uh, the midpoint where you're starting to – where I came to – not even the midpoint, maybe the third act where you're like, okay, the, the whole mental health thing might not be the main focus here. So then you kind of recalibrate yourself and then you just go on for the ride. And I think that's one of the reasons why – we leave the theater so confused with the, with this movie because there was another route that I think we all were expecting it to take and that's not the route that it took, so by the time we kind of, you know, settled into what was really going on, the movie was over and like, what the fuck? So it does take about two to three viewers to really understand what's going on, and, and again, that's good because that means people are going to buy the Blu-ray or, or, or on digital, and that's more money in this guy's pocket, so good for him
2: you guys alluded to also like the trailer kind of gave a completely different like, you know, synopsis as to what we were expecting for the movie. And then when you go into this, it's like, whoa, like this is not how I think because marketing departments
3: just hear horror movie and they, they only know how to make one kind of horror movie trailer. Right, So they, they try to pick out like the scary moments that they see in the, in the movie and they just edit to that. And like it's this, it never works out. Like that's why that's why people who are like kind of jump scare horror movie fans didn't like this movie. They walked out of like, oh, the movie sucked. Or like it's same kind of like they walked out of The Witch that way. You know what I mean? Like because they didn't understand that it's not that kind of horror movie. And uh, it, because marketing just doesn't know how to – marketing does not know how to handle movies like this.
2: Yeah, but if you uh, if you want to talk sub- subverting expectations, this movie did it right. Unlike Ryan Johnson. So. <laughs>
4: but, uh, but also another thing too is that um, one of the big topics of conversation right now. Is, it's, is that the the whole, the whole aspect of trailers because a lot of these marketing departments, they'll, they'll give away entire plot points. Like, I think right now the pet cemetery trailer is causing a big uproar because there is a spoiler in that film. Yeah, they totally spoil it. They spoil the movie. Regardless of whether you've seen the original or not, that's not important. The fact is that there is a big spoiler in the, in the, and so, okay, that's fine. Um, but, when do the you you have to get you have to respect the filmmaker and say okay this is what we want but they don't do that there there's the, there's the thing that trailer people look for and that's called a trailer moment and unfortunately a lot of the times a trailer moment happens to be a big plot twist in the film because that's what's going to create the biggest impact and they will just go ahead and spoil it and and even this film itself they had to re I don't know if you guys remember the controversy they had to re edit the uh, the trailer because I believe that the last the last scene of a particular trailer when this film was first being promoted uh, had a, did have a big spoiler in there and they had to go they had to yank it and re-edit it and, and but the, the trailer is still out there already it's, you know it's, it, once it's on YouTube what are you gonna do so um, yeah. So yeah, especially with films that have plot twists, you got to be careful. Um, I, I have a lot of friends who, who are not even watching trailers anymore. They, they won't do it because of situations like this. I'm talking about hardcore cinephiles. And, and so, you know, a lot of times it is good to go to, into a movie completely blind and not knowing what's going on because you get more enjoyment out of it. You don't have expectations. And so that's, that's kind of a big topic of conversation is this whole idea of, have we gone too far with these trailers, you know? And then with social media now, everybody analyzes the trailers, which is a whole another thing that's bullshit. Because you're essentially analyzing an uncompleted film. Like a trailer's not supposed to be analyzed, and yet you have all these YouTubers who go online and they and they break down a trailer and they criticize the trailer, which in turn criticizes the film. But it's not, the trailer is not even you know what I'm saying. It shouldn't be criticized. It's nothing but a small portion of a promotional tool. That's it. So
3: anyways, I went on a rant there, but... That's no, that's all right. right. I completely but agree with you. Like, it, it, the, the trailers nowadays just, they don't, they don't know what they're doing. To be honest, like honestly, the the people who know the who've done the best trailers in the sense that they they give you something to be excited about but don't actually reveal anything is Marvel. Marvel's doing a good job with that. Like they don't like they get the fanboys excited. They get the fanboys like analyzing every like clip that they see in the trailer, but it doesn't really tell you anything. Like that last Avengers Endgame trailer, you don't know anything that you don't know what's going on. And I think that yeah. they do a good job, but like when it comes to like. Horror movie trailers and comedy trailers. Comedy trailers are like – they ruin the whole movie. They ruin all the good (laughs) – they ruin all the good gags. They ruin all the good punchlines. They ruin all the good jokes. Like I can't watch comedy trailers because of that. Like, oh, I just feel like I saw the whole movie. But like that Pet Cemetery one, if I hadn't watched the original Pet Cemetery and I saw that trailer, I'd be so pissed that they gave that away. (laughs)
1: <laughs> well, one thing we
3: did learn is that they they changed the character that character, so you know they yeah they, they changed the character, but I mean they still gave that gave that plot point away, you know yeah
2: yeah um, and but real quick oh, about hereditary, our boy uh, Gabriel Byrne getting the payday, I was very happy yeah about I know he was awesome I didn't know it he was, was pretty in it.
4: awesome him, yeah.
2: yeah I because I didn't know he was in it, so then when I saw him pop up, like oh shit, <laughs> It's Gabriel Byrne? That's awesome. <laughs> but anyway, so. Um, Moving on to my number seven of the year is actually uh, Ready Player One. Really? Now, this was my number one for a while. Yes. This was my number one for a good, like, three or four months into last year. Um, like we talked about on the show, Adolfo, when we reviewed it, I mean, it was one of those things that it was just like a fanboy's dream come true. Like, and I think, Draven, we mentioned this last week when we were talking about Ready Player One, like how they managed to fit all those properties and all those characters, like especially in that big scene at the end, that big battle, is an amazing feat even in and of itself. But I just I got a kick out of the story. I love the visuals. The characters are great, you know. And then I think the thing that did it for me, like I mentioned to uh, to Draven last week, I'm sure I mentioned to you Adolfo when we reviewed it, was the big shining sequence. That the shining sequence is a lot I, of I, fun. Was t- I was talking about that for like a week, two weeks after I saw that movie because it was such an amazing. uh, an amazing sequence like i was just fanboying all over that and uh just the the thrill ride that that movie was like it's just stuck with me for a long time so that's my number seven is ready player One. well that's
4: my number four so really? uh
2: oh yes nice. um
4: again what a and that's the very definition of a cinematic experience right there i i have it i bought it on blu-ray but i haven't watched it because i know that Part of my enjoyment of that film was the fact that it was on IMAX and I was wearing the 3D glasses. And it's like I told you, that first racing scene where they're going for the first key. Oh my God, what a what a cinematic experience that was with all these creatures, you know, King Kong jumping out at you. It was like you're in a like in an amusement park. Really, that's what it really was. Yeah. Um, the story itself, I think a lot of people get caught up on all the gimmicky stuff, like all the properties that are on it, but the story is a pretty good story too, and it has a lot of heart. And and you know. It's pretty much telling the nerds to go out there and have a life, you know. That's pretty much what it's trying to tell you. Um, don't get caught up in all this shit. So, um, no, it, it was it was a great thrill right, and I, like I'm with you, Mark. It was my number one for a long time. Well, actually, to April, which we'll get to in a minute. But uh, I yeah. guess uh, yeah, no, actually, it was it for some reason? It stayed with me for a long time, but it got booked off pretty quick. Now that I think about it, because that one came out in March, and then my number one came out in April. You know, spoiler alert, right there, teaser. Um. Yeah. And so, no, yeah, it, man, what an unforgettable film! What a great job! I know, I know, a lot of purists are pissed off at certain things, but you know, fuck off! It's a movie,
3: you know. Uh, I enjoyed it a lot. Uh, I, I didn't. I didn't. I don't consider it one of my best of the year, but it, it, it's a fun movie. Like I can't. There's nothing about that movie that disappointed me. I was very. Uh, I had a smile on my face the whole time. It just didn't make my top ten.
2: Uh, Your number seven. Uh,
3: My number seven is uh, Cold War, which is one of the – Nice. foreign uh, picture nominees i think it was up for best director as well um yeah. i thought this uh was a beautiful movie in the sense of cinematography i, th- I think it was up for cinematography too um and it, uh, i saw it like on a random like i got off work at like two in the afternoon one day and i and there was like a two thirty screening so i went to like the the amc close to my work and i just caught it because i was like there's no like it's not near my my house so this is the only way i'm gonna see it so I had no, I had no idea. This is like the best way to watch a movie because I had literally no idea what it was about. I had zero idea what it was about. Yeah, I just knew it was too. a foreign language nominee and the best director nominee. So I went in there just completely cold, no, no pun intended. Uh, and uh, that's the best way I think to, to have a movie experience is not knowing anything. And I, I really enjoyed this film. I thought it was a really excellent kind of uh, love story uh, and drama, like kind of with this kind of political thing with with Poland and like the the, the communist state and everything like that. And, and I, I thought the two leads were excellent. I'm not going to even. Pretend to pronounce their names because they're way out of my uh, my, uh. but I, but mostly like the be- the film is beautiful to look at. It's it's different because it's um it's shot in like four by three, not sixteen by nine, which is interesting. Um, but also the like the cinematography. I'm a sucker for black and white film in general, especially like now like in 2018 when you don't have to shoot in black and white. And uh, so like when people do that, um, it just you know I'm always gonna like get hooked in by that. Um, this director uh, also did a movie a couple years ago. Called Ida, which I think won the best form picture for a film like a few years ago as well, um, and that was also an excellent film. So um, this uh, again, I can't pronounce the guy, the director's name, um, but yeah, I, I thought this was a great, uh, a great film, and you know, really different from a lot of the other films I have on my list. You no,
2: know, before seeing that movie, I didn't understand why pavel i'm just gonna say his first thing why pavel was up for best director after seeing this movie bro like i get it like talk about going through 15 years of a love story in like 80 minutes bro and it works like i was telling draven last week it it works like you think like oh that's that's way too short no with the right guy behind the camera and the right people you know getting the story together like he made it work and it was great and, you, you followed everything and and it, it was just yeah and awesome.
3: he really makes you feel for the characters because there there's a point at the end i'd say in the last like 15 20 minutes uh after he comes back uh and like they put him in like prison and i'm not gonna i'm not yeah. trying to spoil anything but basically he shows what what they did to his hand you're like oh shit <laughs> like and he was a piano player and you just feel so bad for him but yeah it's uh it, it, I, I really love that film all right, so I'm next.
2: Yes, number seven. That would
4: be Searching. I want to put Searching as my number oh, seven.
2: I think that's a Danny Geekdom saver. Oh, no, eight. this was a great
4: film. Um, Again, one of those films you see, You, I didn't expect nothing when I sat down in the theater to watch this film. Because it's like, you know, they, they were doing the gimmick where everything takes place from like the social media. And, you know, they, they what was that horror movie? There's a couple horror. We was it Unfriended? unfriended? yeah they they've tried that gimmick and it gets pretty annoying after a while but not here man the way they did it here was just phenomenal because you know it, it was actual like the, like that was the character the, the the whole social media gimmicky thing was the actual character in the movie which I appreciated and um, also um, John Schultz's performance was great I mean that was he really really did a great job I think he got a, an independent spirit award for that as the best male lead oh really uh, yeah and and it was a great film it has so many twists and turns and the whole idea of the film i'm not going to spoil it because it's it's really one of the films that people should watch without really knowing anything about it the whole idea is that you know your identity that you have on social media is not reflective of who you are in real life so when uh when when uh, john Cho's character when when his daughter goes missing he, he goes through social media to to try to find her and that's the entire that, that's what the, movie, the, the meat of the movie and from there, it just takes you on this crazy roller coaster ride, full of twists and turns, and really is carried by John Show's performance. Because if it wasn't for his performance, you would, you know, you wouldn't believe anything that's going on. And you know, it, it, it really has a, a, a nice ending. I really enjoyed the ending. Um, and it's it's in my it's in my uh, yeah it's number seven. It's some, it's a film that people should definitely watch. It's, it's very engaging from the from the get go. It's never boring, and uh, it also has Deborah Messing in there as the. As the sheriff or or investigator that's trying to help him find his daughter, <laughs> and and there's a lot of twists and turns with her character as well that I'm not gonna get into. So yeah, no, check it out, check it out for sure. It really surprised me, and it's uh, I'm glad that it did good because it really brought a lot of attention uh, to the to the filmmaker and, and to John show and and. It really is a good script. I think this yeah. is the sleeper of the year in my eyes.
3: Yeah, that's what I heard, and it was on my list of things to watch before the end of the year, like before I made like, my year-end best-of list, and I just never got to it. But I, I heard nothing but good. I actually bought it on uh, on, on demand to watch and I just haven't gotten to it yet, but I've heard many good things about it.
2: Yeah, I definitely got to check that out too. That one in Destroyer I heard like really good things about, and they're just sitting on my my watch list like I got to see this at some point. But I'm definitely going to try to check that out soon great film I'm, i've heard um so number six so for me number six was avengers infinity war um this is one of those movies that i actually you know went back and watched i think two more times after my first viewing in the theater because it's not so much to just kind of rewatch watch see things you didn't discover before it's just because you enjoyed the story in the direction that marvel went in so much that i just wanted to experience that again and experience that again so now that i have the blu-ray i can do that anytime time i want but it's just seeing that movie three times in the theater like i haven't done that since star wars uh i think force awakens and just being able to just kind of take in you know what 10 years of marvel studio films has just built up to like this just crescendo into such an amazing like you know popcorn movie that you know, it was something that just stayed with me for the longest time. I mean, like I said, I physically went and paid for two additional trips to see that movie because it just sits with you like long after it's done. So, um, for me, Avengers Divinity War was my number six.
4: Well, that's my number one of the year, bro. How about that? Oh, all right. Listen, listen. I've never gotten into a theater more excited with like the adrenaline pumping, all right? And, and, and to be fair, I'm gonna, I'm gonna preface this by saying that. Every time there's a new Avengers film, I I rewatch the entire MCU from the beginning. So I know these characters very, very well, and I'm doing that again this year. And so just understanding that point of view, and just for me, it was like you're you're not gonna capture the emotion that I had for this film and any other film because there's so much equity already invested in it. All right, and just sitting there and and and. Like understanding that they didn't drop the ball, which was the main thing for me. Like they they I was so worried about that. I was so worried that we we're gonna have Phantom Menace syndrome, you know? And it was like they didn't. Every single plot point was delivered perfectly from the way it begins to the to the way they introduced all the characters. I mean, my only issue was the Captain America thing where he didn't he, he literally didn't have nothing to do and he's such a big part of this film. That was my only issue, and I understand that. Maybe he'll get more screen time in the next one. That's not the point. We're just judging this film, and that did bother me quite a lot, actually. Same thing with Black Panther, but I don't think they they knew how how big Black Panther was gonna be, or else he would have had a meteor part. Trust me, this was this, this was already um, this was already in the can w- before Black Panther came out, or it was I think it was filming when Black Panther came out. Anyways, it was late for them to kind of give him give him a, a more meteor role. But other than that, I mean. I also respect what the Russo brothers did. You you have this big task of piecing all of these you know ten years of shit together and making it all make sense and having everybody have something to do. I mean, I just I just thought it was incredible. I've seen it about five times and it never gets boring to me. And never I, I never sit there and say, oh well, this is kind of like not what I wanted, you know. And I didn't I didn't see it the first time. It it the 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 comedy is spot on is it's it's kind of it's perfect. The emotional roller coaster, you know, like especially like the Star Lord scene. Um, there's a lot of great moments in this film. Uh, uh, when when yeah. when Thor is talking to Rocket, that's one of my favorite scenes of the year. And I know, look, I'm a cinephile, and it's coming from me. And you know, I'm a snob when it comes to this shit. Right? I'm not gonna give one of my favorite scenes to a legitimate popcorn film, but I'm gonna do it here because when Thor is right there talking to Rocket and he's 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 uh He's venting to him, right, about how he's like this god who's three thousand years old, and he's Thanos ain't gonna beat him, and you know. But he's actually talking to himself like that. That that gives me goosebumps because essentially he doesn't believe in himself, and and but he 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 can't accept that. So he's telling Rocket how much of a man he is when he's he's broken, and then they have that great scene where. You know, Rock is listening to him, and this is the guy who's never had a family, and he himself lost his family. So it's like, no, he gained his family while one lost his family, you know? And the ultimate irony is that at the end, neither of them has a family anymore. Um, Just great stuff. Uh, The Gamora scene, um, when when they're trying to get the Soul Stone, is, is pretty incredible. Um. Uh. So many. The, the Thor scene when he comes in with with the uh, with the what is it the Storm Destroyer or whatever it's called. That's a great scene. That pops Storm everybody. Here. Stormbreaker. I'm sorry. That pops everybody whenever whenever you see it with an audience, and and it's just goosebumps inducing, you know. Um. And everything about it. They got Thanos over in one movie. They started off as a as a as a villain. And by the end of the movie, people love the guy because they believe in his quest. It doesn't make any sense, and I, I I I question your character whenever you say that Thanos is actually doing the right thing. I never understood that, but hey, if it worked, it worked, right? Um, and just a lot of cool shit in this movie, and it's both a popcorn delight and this incredible dramatic piece in my eyes. And let's just see, let's just see if they could get the landing right, madam. Uh, let's see if they could, if they could finish it off good. Then it's gonna be this will never be duplicated in the history of cinema i'll go i'll go as far as to say that you, you're never going to see another 10 years of great cinematic experience um you know they could still shit the bed don't get me wrong but i i i will i will give them the benefit of the doubt because they haven't yet so that that's my number one movie of the year
2: yeah and i think end Endgame right too like it only makes this movie that much better too. yeah
3: yeah so uh, there's a so I love Avengers Affinity War. Like I and I struggled between like which blockbuster I was gonna put on my list, whether it was gonna be Avengers or Black Panther. I I went with Black Panther only because it was a it was a more self contained movie. Uh whereas with Avengers Infinity War, you have to watch a bunch of other movies to like be able to get what's going on in this one. Like and I think that's the only strike I have against it is that it's not really self-contained. Like you can't that's go into right. that movie. I agree with you you right. can't go into that movie cold. Like you like you're not gonna know what the fuck is going on. Um but that said, I cannot disagree with anything you said. I love this movie from start to finish. It delivered everything you wanted it to deliver. Um and I think the the major um i think with this movie i i think it's marvels become like if not one if not the greatest like movie franchise one of the greatest movie franchises i think at this point it might be better than star wars as far as quality films over not over non-quality films um I, and i i do i do love uh i did love this movie a lot it just i i just kind of it just lost points for me for not being a self-contained film And that's why i didn't include it as my number 10 like in my number in my top 10 but this is an amazing it's an amazing achievement Like uh, Kevin Feige has to go down as like one of the greatest like producers ever just for just for what he has like managed to create these like what 2021 movies or something like that now. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, And so and again, like the
4: writing, the writing itself, I thought was great, like the way they, everybody organically got involved, there's never, there's not a character in there where I could say, eh, they kind of, they kind of forced them in there, like, like the way, uh, uh, Doctor Strange finds the Hulk, you know, the way, um, uh, Spider-Man happens to be on the school bus, which is in New York, you know, the way, um, the way that, that Captain America gets involved with the cell phone, you know, with the Hulk calls them, all these things happen very organically, and, just um I, that was one of my main concerns. Like every everybody's gonna be like shoehorned in there. It wasn't like that at all, you know. And and so I, that's just incredible to me because they had so many characters and they're gonna have more characters in the next one. Um So yeah, it was just it was just, a, it was just a, a great film.
3: Yeah, and I think uh, and you know I, I mentioned earlier with Black Panther had a lot of cultural moments, but like I think this one also did really uh, add a lot to the the kind of the cultural like. what's the word I'm looking for, like the zeitgeist, whatever, like, people were talking about the snap, people were talking about, I don't feel so good, Mr. Stark, you know, things like that, like, people people were talking about that ending for a while, it was a bleak ending, it was like an Empire Strikes Back ending, you know, like, even though we know as, like, As like people who know like the movie business and we know like Marvel and everything like that, we know that they didn't really kill Black Panther, they didn't really kill Spider Man and things like that because you know they're gonna come back in their in their sequels and things like that. Hell, we already saw the Spider Man's like trailer already, but um the we know that we're cynical like that, but it still didn't take away from like that emotional impact when you see all of like these characters that you've seen for like ten movies or so like just die like on screen and it's it's a very uh, it was a very like really well done filmmaking and it was it was very much an,
4: a, an homage to the comics because you would see that in comics I mean to me from a cinematic point of view I thought that was a little cheesy and that and that's one of the criticisms that I have about the film I think they could have had more impact if they died in a more extreme fashion I guess if, if I could put it any other way um, but the, it was a good homage to the comics because in a comic you would see them just kind of turn to dust and that's it they're dead Um uh, as far as the Spider-Man, keep in mind that that could still take place before Infinity War, that just sure the way, just from the way the trailers have put out. Because I did think, um, you know, them announcing all this stuff—I don't know—it was kind of it was kind of counterproductive. But at the same time, it's not it, it, it's not for us; it's for the casual audience, and a lot of them don't even know that. Although most of them do now with the way the internet is. But um, no, yeah, I definitely uh, that was one of my criticisms. Another thing that too is that you could it's very obvious that James Gunn is the only one that could write for the for for the Guardians because um who who was it was it um Christopher Marcus and Stephen McFeely wrote this film right because they they've been doing they've been working with the Russo brothers you could tell the you could tell the difference between them writing for the Guardians and and um and James Gunn writing for the Guardians it was very obvious especially in the way um, Star Lord was he James Gunn really protects that character and right? he wasn't really protected here. And I'm not even talking about, you know, the big emotional moment because that's just that's just storytelling. I'm just talking about the way the character uh, carried himself and the way he talked. You could tell it was it was coming through another voice. Um, but other than that, it, no, again, it, it was a great film. And, and I, I'm, I'm just harping on this because it's my number one, so I have to talk about all this. Um, and and there's nothing else to be said. For the, for, for the one person that hasn't watched it, what are you waiting for? It's on Netflix, go watch it. Yeah.
2: And, uh, real quick, I'm just going through the cast of, um, of Endgame right now, and guess who popped up, bro? Our boy Frank Grillo is in the cast for Endgame. Oh, so, uh, that, that popped up. As, right as, as of last,
4: uh, the last time the Russo said they said they have the three hour cut and they say they really don't want to cut anymore but that's not including credits so so Disney might make them snip about 10 minutes because the credits are about 10 minutes
3: yeah I mean a lot of I wonder I do, I do wonder because like, a lot of people are theorizing that it's that it's a time travel story so I wonder if it, it goes back to like Civil War or Winter Soldier or something is why we're seeing Frank Grillo okay so check it out part of okay when it comes to time travel you're either going to
4: shit the bed or you're probably going to shit the bed. There's very few time travel movies that actually get it right. Terminator, Back to the Future, those those are the few that are classics, but the thing about time travel is that you run the risk of getting, like, really cheesy, all right. And also, um, there's not only time travel elements, there's also, like, quantum realm traveling and stuff, and that worries me. And, um, but but with that said, it would be cool as this final homage to the to the 10 years of the mcu if they do go back to a lot of these films old sets i would mark out for that big time just as a way to give them the final curtain call you know because i already know there's a scene in in, from new york from avengers one that's been out there for a long time but if they do other sets from different films i think i would get a kick out of that and 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 we'll see but i don't want to get my hopes up too much man because i'm just i am kind of worried about this and and
3: they did give out the 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 Hawkeye spoiler in the trailer, which really surprised me. That would have
1: gotten
3: a big pop. I mean, I knew it was coming because like I knew that they were gonna do because the because he's in what what they call Ronin gear. Like he's a character. He turned him in the comics. He turned into a character called Ronin, which is basically that outfit. And like as soon as I saw that outfit, it's like oh, it's Hawkeye. And then they but they didn't actually think they were gonna like reveal him, but they did. I'm just worried about this because I do go with my brother to see these films.
4: And and if Captain America or Iron Man die, which is the rumor... I don't know if
3: I'm going to be able to hold back on that I think there's going to be a tier or two coming out just because I'm so invested in these characters well Chris Evans at one point like said hey I just wrapped on like he tweeted something like I wrapped on an Endgame and it's been great to be this character blah 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 and then like you have to like walk it back because it sounded like he was saying goodbye to the character and everyone because everyone was like whoa are you dying and he's like whoa I just meant you know this time it was great working with people blah 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 so like we'll (laughs) see like I think he may have blown blown a spoiler there um, and
4: also, so so let's talk a little bit about some of the things that I'm looking forward to that I know are going to get big pops in the theater. First of all, the whole coming back, you know that's going to get a huge pop because they really build that up. I think uh, Captain America and Iron Man kind of uh, ironing out their differences, no pun intended. You know, that's going to get a big pop because they still have that thread lingering where they, they kind of don't see eye to eye. Um I think the final battle if they, if they find a way to get everybody cuz they we didn't get that in the in, in, in uh, Infinity War if they get everybody involved that's going to be a sight to behold right there um and so yeah there is all kinds of cool stuff happening the only thing is that Thanos is essentially by himself now so I wonder if they're going to introduce like new secondary baddies to kind of help him out a little bit um
2: that's possible uh,
4: so so yeah so all these things are going to are going to just there's a lot. There's a lot of beats that they're gonna deliver that people have been
3: waiting for that I think are gonna get big pops in the theater. I mean, people yeah, pop like when I, when the when the the first Endgame trailer. Uh, Came out. I remember being in the theater. What was I watching? It was some Christmas. It was a movie around Christmas time. So I don't remember what, what it would have been. Um, but it was, uh, they, they dropped the, they put the end game trailer before it. And, um, you know, you could tell that there are a lot of people in the, in the theater that hadn't like watched it online like 300 times, like guys like us do. Um, and <laughs> like the moment at the end where you just see Ant-Man pop up is like, Hey, is anybody home? People pop for that. So I mean, like, you, this is going to be an easy audience to pop.
4: Yeah, yeah,
3: and then of course there's all those rumors about the Silver Surfer and all that shit.
4: So we'll see, we'll see what happens.
2: We'll see, yeah. Like we'll go. We'll, uh, hopefully, we can get into more of the meat and potatoes of these, like as we get closer to Endgame. Well, we'll, well, well. it's next, it's next month already, game. bro. It's, it's
4: rolling up on us. It's the are we're, we're yeah. about uh, Captain five, Marvel's six weeks. in a week. Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. year, that year, yeah, that year went by so fast, man, maybe because of the emotion that this movie still in me, but I remember, just, like, it was yesterday, me seeing in the theater, uh, you know, uh, just last April, and it's, here we are again, you know, almost time.
2: Like, I, I know, it's like, oh, man, it's like another year, like, you know, we gotta wait for this, but, like, it, the year pretty much flew by. No, but I was saying, like, as we go through, like, the MCU films, like, we plan on doing the next few episodes, like, you know, we can get kind of more into, like, what could happen and all that good stuff, but... Um, as far as today and in these top ten films, um, Adolfo, you're number six.
3: Uh, six, six, six. Oh, speaking of Marvel, uh, my number six is Spider Man to the Spider Verse. Um, I love this movie. I, I, there's not really much more I could say. I just thought it was a very well written, uh, animated film. I thought it was the best animated film of the year. I'm glad it got the Oscar. Uh, I thought every, I mean, I thought it worked perfectly. I thought, um, you know, it, it, it did. It was a Spider-Man movie that we haven't seen before. Like, it wasn't Peter Parker getting bitten by the radioactive spider and his uncle dying. Even though we did get his, someone getting bitten by spider and yeah. her uncle dying, but it was still like different. Like, like it wasn't like the same old thing. And uh, I love like all the. A uh, quirky, offbeat characters. I love like the Peter Parker that we do get is like this fat, out of shape Spider Man that like uh, does like he just kind of sucks now and is cynical and and he's still trying to teach like the young kid how to do it and everything. I, I loved everything about the film. I took my my daughter to see it twice. She loved it. Um, it, it I, I just think he was just a really fun animated film uh from from start to finish really smart uh and and it did a lot with with the character that we haven't seen done before especially with all like the the different you know uh the different iterations i love nick cage playing the the spider-man noir where someone's like is you are you in black and white <laughs> you know like that whole thing i thought that was great yeah
2: Yes, actually, Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse is my number five. So, so, I, I think that, it, like you said, it's more about, like, just the cinematic experience of it all, especially, um, I was fortunate enough to, uh, see this in 3D, and that final climax sequence, where all those colors are flying at you, oh man, like I was telling Draven last week, I wish I had some sort of other, otherly substance, that would have even <laughs> enhanced that experience even, even further, um, but, uh, but having said that, um, just what they did with the character, you know, I love that it was focused on Miles, you know, um, a, a character who, like I've said throughout the history of the show, I'm not a, much of a comic book guy, so I didn't know much about Miles Morales' Spider-Man, so it was a great introduction to him for, like, cinematic, casual audiences. Um, it was a great story. I love how they kind of blended all those Spider-Mans together, you know, and they were able to tell, like, a cohesive story, a fun story, and, you know, I just got a... I mean, it was more the visuals that I really got to kick out. Of, you know? It looked like a comic story. book, which
3: I really loved. It absolutely, absolutely looked like a comic book. And it kind of blended like that traditional animation with like the, like the CG animation and the kid that did this thing, like where it's, like I said, looks like a comic book. It looks like you're, you're like seeing like, like hand drawn things. And one of my favorite kind of things, like a lot of it was like regular CG animation, but like made to look like 2D animation. Um, but what, one of my favorite little uh, things about it is that The Spider-Ham character was traditionally drawn for the movie and Mm -hmm. just kind of pasted into the film uh, because they wanted to give him the most cartoony look, which I think is hilarious that they did that. So he's like – he's traditionally animated where everything else isn't, and I think that's pretty fun.
2: Yeah. I mean just a great movie. Great, great movie. So that's my number five of the year. Um, Draven, you're
4: number six. Oh, so my number six is a little film called Thunder Road. It came out, another another
3: small film. I know this um, movie. I've been wanting to see it, and I and I keep not getting a chance. I know the one you're talking about, though.
4: Yeah, this is a film that was um, – it, it was it started as a short film, and then it kind of caught steam in the festival circuit. Then um, they, they started a Kickstarter campaign for it. They raised the funding, and they made the film. And it starts a guy by the name of Jim Cummings who directed it and wrote it, and he actually plays the lead character. Um, this is a, this is a very, um, this film, it's, it's about grief and, and just mourning, uh, but it's done in a very comedic tone. And so it's, I'm not going to get into it, but, it, uh, as far as specifics, but it's about a police officer who, um, who pretty, who, who gets a divorce and, and loses his mother all at the same time. And the entire film is, is in the way he copes with it and the way he comes to terms with it. And there's a, there's a lot of uh, sweet moments in it, there's a lot of sad moments in it, but it's also a very funny movie. And it's one of those films that seems off, you know, to your casual viewer. And the reason it seems off is because we're seeing it through the perspective of, of Jim Cummins' his character who's, who's, who's in mourning. And and it's, it's about uh, repressing your feelings, being in denial. And, you know, you see how he little by little, as much as he tries to, like, not deal with the death of his mother and his divorce... You know, it starts to get to him and you see his his breakdown as the film is progressing. And, you know, it has a great ending. And uh, yeah, no, this movie definitely stayed with me. And and hopefully a big thing comes for this guy because he did a great job from nothing, really. I mean, he just did a short film and it caught people's eyes. And then he went out and he raised his own money to make this film. And it really caught people's eyes. So maybe Hollywood will come knocking and give him some good stuff because uh, he's a great writer and a great filmmaker, too. So that's uh, Thunder Road from 2018. Uh,
2: I saw... Yeah, I saw the... Tra- Sorry, go ahead, Mark. I was going to say, like, I saw the trailer for this. Um, I think it was around uh, September-ish? Because Alamo Drafthouse was showing it all the time. And I, and I still, like, remember, like, this... I think he's outside, like, the, a police station. He's, like, going crazy or something. Yeah, like, that, that's of like, the waving yeah. around a gun. Yeah, and, um, and that, like, just stuck with me for a while. And I was like, oh, I hope they show this year. And, like, they had, like, one showing of it. Like, and... It was like one of those like special attraction type of things, and then they never showed it again. Like, oh great, and I missed out on it. So I'm definitely going to try to catch this soon. Ooh.
3: Yeah, I I, saw, I forget where I saw. I think someone posted it on Facebook or Twitter. Like the opening sequence is like him at his mom's funeral, um, and they posted like the whole scene. It's like ten minutes long or something like that, and it's and it's like one take, and it's both sad but kind of hilarious at the same time yes yes um uh, and i of after watching that scene i was like i really want to see this now and i just haven't gotten a chance to to see it yet but i i i that one scene alone like hooked me i was like i gotta watch this movie yeah that that one scene is
4: the short film that was it that was the short film oh was that it okay scenes. and then from there you know he enhanced the character and added a whole story around that but yeah no that was definitely but 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 the actual spirit of of the entire movie is within that so whatever you got from that, those 10 minutes, that's pretty much what the entire movie kind of focuses on. And, um, it, it, it again, it's a great film. And, and it, going back to the Academy Awards, it's like, how come these kind of films don't get nominated for anything? Right. And it's like, because, right. because they're, they're setting their ways. That's why. Uh,
2: so number five is already revealed, uh, so far. My number five is Spider-Man to the Spider-Verse. Adolfo's number five was The Star is Born. And Draven's number five was Hereditary. Yes. Um, moving on to number four, mine was a quiet place. Adolfo's was Ready Player One. No, ah, Draven's yes. was Ready Player One. Draymond was Ready Player One. Adolfo, what's your number
3: four? My number four is oh, the favorite. Um, ah, I really right. like this movie. I think it was weird and and just because I, I like the weirdness of it, like set a, like juxtaposed with like the old tiny costume period drama that was going on. Like because you know because whenever you like if you just look at it. And you don't like if you were like flipping through the channels and they and you saw that and you watched it for like a couple minutes, you'd think, oh, it's just your normal, like, period costume drama, right? But if you watch it for more than that, like you realize this movie's kind of fucked up and weird. And that's what I really liked about it. This is Yorgos Lanthimos again, who
2: That's our boy uh, ghost. Who did uh oh,
3: Dogtooth, one of my favorite films that he's done is Dogtooth. He did the lobster, he did um the killing of a sacred deer, and he kind of keeps it going. It's not as it's not as screwed up as those movies, but it's still kind of screwed up. Uh, and, and I, I, really, I think, um, I really did just appreciate everything you did with this. The performances by all three of the fem- uh, of the women are, uh, were, uh, on point, especially Olivia Coleman. Um, and I'm glad that she won the Oscar because I, I I really, I really appreciated her performance on this one. Um, but I, just the whole thing was just so messed up and just seeing these, these people just be, Horrible and awful to each other, and just the whole movie like, there's no, nobody is redeemable at all. They're just all terrible people, and uh, I really just got a kick out of it. <laughs>
2: bro. And, and I love how just Yorgos just kind of sticks things into that really kind of just mess with your head, like when they're throwing tomatoes at that naked Yeah, team, like, bro. that's so weird. Like, like that, It's like, like why is
3: that there? <laughs> there's something with, like, don't they, like, race like, pigs or ducks or something at one point? Yeah, ducks. ducks. They and, the, ducks oh, and then there's, bro. like, that. Oh, the dude, that Nicholas Holt is, like, such a douche in this movie. Like, there's <laughs> that one point where he they're just, like, walking on the road, then he just Pushes uh, uh, Emma, Emma Emma Stone, Stone into like the d- into the mud or something. It just everybody is horrible in this movie, and I just it, it's just kind of fun to watch, like horrible. It makes it charming in a way, even though
2: everybody here yeah. sucks. <laughs> that's yeah, it. that's my number four. Uh, Draven, did you see the favorite? Any no, I haven't
4: that? seen that one. That's one of the last ones that I have to watch from the Academy Awards.
2: So then number three, mine was uh, Hereditary, which I already revealed. Uh, Adolfo, your number three.
4: Mine was Annihilation, by the way. Oh, right.
2: Yeah. Oh, you said number two for that one, Draven.
4: Okay, well, let's switch it because actually I got a number two. So number three was Annihilation.
2: All right, so let's switch that up then. Okay, so that's your uh, number three. Uh, Adolfo, your number three. Black Klansman.
3: Um, Uh For a long time, this was my favorite movie of the year. Um, I, I think this is Spike. Spike Lee has not been on top of his game for a while, I think. And I think this is like him coming back. Like this is him finally – all right, this is the Spike Lee I like. This is the one that is like finally doing something good because like there's a period there like where he was just not – I don't know. There was just nothing – like he did 25th Hour, which was good. I liked Inside Man, which is good. But I feel like anything after Inside Man wasn't great. I can't think of a great movie he did. And then this is like – him finally coming back to like this is the Spike Lee I like so um, you know we talked a lot about this on our show or, you know when it came out um, I think every you know, all the leads were really good in this I like the story behind it I thought it was funny um, um, and it was just really resonant with like you know the politics of what's going on today and everything um, I, I, if I was Spike Lee I'd be pretty pissed off I lost a green book too uh, I'll think it's weird but uh,
2: yeah, but
3: yeah, yeah this is my number three it's Black Klansman
2: well, with uh, the revelation of Draven's number three being annihilation, I can reveal my number two is also black. Panther. <laughs> um, like, uh, like I said, um, like I said when we reviewed it, Rodolfo, it's one of those uh, movies that, like, it just kind of leaves you kind of stunned. Not so much at like the content, is how when you really think about it, how little has changed in the world, which is kind of sad. Um, I revealed also on that episode that pretty much. Just like when I saw a, when I saw Twelve Years a Slave all those years ago, it was like everybody just kind of stood up and like left in silence, like it was like a freaking funeral. It was one of those, it's one of the most like surreal things I've ever really experienced as a moviegoer. Like when shit like that happens, and it hasn't happened since Twelve Years a Slave for me. But to see that happen again, it was just like whoa. It was just like you have to take all that in, and it takes a, like you can't even like really. It's one of those things where you can't really even talk to, like, you know, your buddy or the person next to you. You kind of just get up, you start walking out, and, like, it just lingers with you. It just sits with you, you know, the entire time. You're just kind of trying to make sense of it all. But then when you finally realize, oh, wait, that's still happening today, that what I just watched at the end there, that just happened, like, a year ago, you know? And it's just it just kind of – it's a very, like, um, very sad film when you think about it that way. But as far as the story goes, the story was – I like how the story kind of – use like serious and comedic elements to it that kind of blend i guess spike is pretty good at that so that it just made the story work even more you know um john david washington was great uh kylo ren adam driver was great too uh, <laughs> our boy a for grace as david duke bro that was a nice little cameo he did i mean it was pretty much a cameo it was only in there for like about 10 no, minutes, I, I, I wouldn't but, consider uh, a cameo
4: he was in there for a bit
2: I mean, it just felt like it was a short part for him. But I guess maybe, yeah, maybe it was a Especially bit towards
4: the end, it really becomes about the, that relationship. So he's in it way more.
2: Yeah, but it was it was a great – overall, it was like just a, a great experience, emotional, you know, entertaining experience. And, you know, it just – it was my number one for a long time until my number one kind of started making the rounds. So, uh, but, yeah, my number two is Black Klansman.
4: Yeah, that was a point, man. Again, this is a very taboo subject for a lot of people still and when you watch it with an audience it, it could get pretty uncomfortable but it's also quite an experience because um you know I was watching it I was with a predominantly uh, african american crowd so there's a couple scenes in the movie especially at the end with uh, you know when they're outside and the cops come or whatever where they started the people started getting angry bro and i was like oh shit um and then when the movie ended with the with the montage that's where it got it got really yeah. uncomfortable like i was like fuck and it's like, you know, going to our house uh, cinemas and seeing th- these kind of films that are not made for the for the casual audience. I'm kind of used to that, but it's not it's just kind of weird because you you do feed off of that vibe when people are uncomfortable, you know. Um and so so but it it was a great film. I really enjoyed it and it was, it was uh, it's in my honorable mentions. Um it, it, it definitely deserves all, all the
3: accolades it got.
2: But, um Adolfo, your number two.
3: My number two is Roma. Uh, Roma I thought was... This movie screwed me up, man. First of all, like, it was a beautiful looking film. I mean, the cinematography was on point with this. Like, uh, I, I said my favorite cinematography was Cold War, but like, number two is probably Roma right behind it. I mean, the movie had me in like the first five minutes with just like her just washing the fucking floor. And I was like, I don't know why, yeah. but this is like mesmerizing. <laughs> like, we're just washing the floor. Um, like the whole movie was just like really, it took its time. It was a little slow, not gonna lie. But once you get into like the meat of it, once, like you know, you get it. I don't want to reveal too much, but once you get to like the what ends up happening to her, and then like the you know, it's she gets involved in. The, she's like in the middle of that freaking riot in the middle of the movie, and then. At the very end with her on the beach, I was like – I couldn't – that was rough to watch, man. That was a rough moment whenever she's at the beach and she says what she says. Again, I don't want to spoil it for anybody who hasn't seen it. If you want to watch it, it's on, it's on Netflix. Um, it's one of the movies that Steven Spielberg probably hates. But, uh, <laughs> but, but it's on Netflix <laughs> right now. Um, and it's a beautiful movie both in like its actual style and like uh, aesthetics and also like uh, in content as well. Uh, I thought the uh, – Uh, Yalitza uh, uh, Yalitza Aparicio I think is her name uh, was really good for a first time actress Um, and you know she had me pretty much she was really captivating even for like for someone who's never acted before I was really impressed with with everything she did but that was my number two
2: and I'm glad you brought that up Um, that's my number one and I'm not going to get too much into it because I know Draven and I did have a good conversation about Roma on the last episode but I will say kind of to reiterate again it's one of those things where, you know, not only did and again like we talked to I talked to Draven last week about like you know since he's of Mexican descent how how it affected him like kind of culturally as well. I mean, to me, you know, it was just like the story. It was a beautiful story. The cinematography was amazing. Just just amazing camera work. Um, Amazing editing, too, by, uh, I think, uh, I think Alfonso edited the movie himself, if I'm not mistaken, as well. I know he shot so it. I'll i know he that, shot bro.
3: Did he also write it? Or he also edited it?
2: I, that, I gotta double check. I know he definitely shot it himself, but at editing, I think I gotta double check. But if he, he did editing, too, like, that's, he, that's even more amazing. Like, he's like, that's triple threat right there. But, like, um just the way this movie made me feel, like, they, how the way, like, it portrayed the main character, the, the way, like, the whole, family was portrayed as well just like really sat with me and it was one of those movies that you know i'm glad i was fortunate enough to probably one of the few people to see it on a big screen in 70 millimeter probably the way it was meant to be seen by quarrel when he shot it um and it was just like it, it's one of those experiences that i'm never gonna forget like you know in the recent future because it was just just a mesmerizing uh, theatrical experience so that's my number one roma
4: <laughs> all right so my number two this is another Netflix exclusive. It came out in February of two thousand eighteen. It's a film called *The Ritual*. I don't know if you guys ever got around to watching I've it I've heard but, of it. Uh, I
2: haven't seen it. I've heard of it.
3: Yet. Again,
4: going back to films like *Like uh, Hereditary* and um, *and uh, the, the Quiet Place*, this is a great atmospheric horror film. But it's also more than that. It's a great uh, drama film, um, featuring uh, four friends who go into the woods. There you go. That's one of your uh, tropes there. Um, And they're going to go hang out. But before that, they went through a through a like a trauma together with another friend of theirs. And I'm not going to get into the trauma because I want people to watch this film. Um, So there's tension already there. And in the woods is when shit starts to go down and it's very atmospheric. But the entire film, it's about uh, going back to the repressed emotions, things I was talking about earlier with with Thunder Road is the same thing here. There's there's unresolved trauma with the friends there's uh, lingering resentment with the friends and that, hap- that, that, that has to do with the, with the traumatic event that just happened so they happen to run into a cult and this, the, the cult starts fucking with them because they want, a, they want a sacrifice and that's about as far as I'll say as far as spoilers and from then it becomes this like surreal kind of experience and one thing that it does is that it introduces a new monster that, that it, we haven't had a good old fashioned monster in a while you know an original looking monster um, in the woods uh it's very like weird like horse giraffe hybrid that's pretty freaking cool um and it's 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 very tense and it's a great movie and i'm just sad that i wasn't able to watch in the theater because this would have been a great theatrical experience and you start to see how these friends you know it goes back to that thing about are they really friends are they not friends when, when you're when you're kind of uh pushed against the wall who's gonna be there for you and uh so this is my number two because again it, it's it, it, that I haven't, other than Avengers, I haven't seen a film that has moved me as much as this film has all year, and so um, I put it in my number two.
2: No, I definitely got to check that out, man. I'm glad it's a Netflix film. I yeah, it's a great film. There.
4: It's a very good film.
2: Yeah. So now that we reached number one, I've already revealed mine is Roma. Draven, yours is Avengers: Infinity War. So now it's up to Adolfo. His number, I know what it is already. So I'm just waiting for his number one movie. Of 2018.
3: My number one movie of 2018 is Pacific Rim. No, I'm just kidding. Uh,
2: it's, <laughs> <laughs> it's
3: it's uh, if, Beale right re- if Beale Street could talk, Um I I didn't. Again, this is much like Cold War. I didn't know anything about this movie going into it. I just kind of went into it cold. I knew it had some buzz going into it, so I, I watched it. And I don't know what it is about this film, but it just really profoundly moved me uh for the for everyone who hasn't seen it it's kind of a love story between these two um uh young african americans uh in in harlem um and, uh, it, it kind of goes back and forth in time, like, from, like, uh, whenever they first meet and they're first getting together and they as their relationship grows, but also fast forwarding to the fact that he at one point gets arrested for a crime that he didn't really commit, uh, or at least the film makes you think he didn't commit it, and he's in jail and you kind of want to, but you know, she ends up, uh, like the first thing you find out is that she's pregnant, uh, with his baby, uh, and, you know, it's kind of like that drama of her pregnancy, while he's in jail and then also the flashbacks of their relationship kind of building um and I just thought it was like beautifully acted beautifully written I thought the cinematography was amazing I thought the school, the musical score was beautiful um I thought the main actress uh, I think her name is Kiki man I forget her uh, what's that? Kiki Lane, I think. Yeah, it, it, she's, she's, really, she's a really great actress. I thought she was awesome. Um, anyway, the, the whole film really just profoundly affected me. I thought uh, Regina King got her, uh, her Oscar for supporting actress. I'm really glad that happened because she was really good in the role. Um, but it, it, I, I think it's it was kind of shafted by not getting a Best Picture nomination. It had some buzz going about it, about it but it, it never got it. Um, but yeah, it's just a movie that more than anything just really after i walked out of it i just couldn't stop thinking about it for a long time and that's by number one
4: yeah i i really loved it i thought the um there's also a lot of cultural significance in this film much like roma it's 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 it resonates with the culture and and a lot of the injustice i know before the movie starts you know they pretty much say how beale street is, is representative of everywhere and and i thought that was a great start to this film um and you see all the all the cultural kind of barriers, you know. You see the, the 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 passive dad. One of the dads is somewhat passive. The other one is a little more, you know, kind of let's go let's go get the bull by the horns. And they have a great scene together in the in the bar. Yeah. Um, and, you, and you see you see they, they capture all that perfectly. Um, you, you see the you could feel the frustration of, of the entire film and and the narrative of it. Um, and you know, the ending is also. The ending reflects the film. That's all I'll say, and 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 it really stayed with me, you know. And and um,
3: yeah, it's it's a great movie. I really I really enjoyed this movie a lot. And I think out of all the films we talked about, uh, this also has probably my favorite. Like opening, I don't know, twenty minutes or so, 20, 25 minutes, where oh. like yeah, yeah where they're in the, the house husband, right? and then she she tells her family about the pregnancy, and then they invite the family of the of the of the guy over, and it's just like this sequence of these two families like trying to get along, and the one mother, the mother of the dude, is like the worst human being you've ever seen. and <laughs> I'm not gonna reveal anything, but something happens to her which out of context, is horrible. Like if you ever see anybody do this? It's it's completely uncalled for. But when it happens to her, you almost kind of like cheer a little bit because she's such a horrible person. Um, but yeah. but the whole it's like captivating. That whole scene is captivating. Whenever they're just trying to like talk about this pregnancy and what's going to happen and what are they going to do and how, what if they're going to get a lawyer and all sorts of other stuff. It um, that that's um, but yeah, the whole film just really resonated with me, and I, I really loved it.
2: Yeah, I thought this film was from Barry Jenkins way stronger than uh, than Moonlight, personally. Um, I, I liked it better than um, Moonlight. I will, yeah. I'd. Yes, I mean, obviously they both accomplished different things, but I just thought this was, I guess, a more accessible film than that one was. Just for me personally i just enjoyed everything about it from start to finish the acting the story was captivating and it just resonating with me as well like i just wish i could have put it in the top 10 but it was definitely an honorable mention for me dave
4: franco being wacky
3: <laughs> yeah dave franco that's yeah right. was, <laughs> it was, it <laughs> for
2: like for his five minute like little role he had it was being, him being wacky Diego luna funny.
3: was there as well yeah, he was.
2: that's right uh, Captain Cassidy. <laughs> Pedro
3: Pascal, I think was in there too. Nah, he
2: yeah,
4: he, he, he's blowing up. He's getting all kinds of gigs. Yeah. So no, it was yeah, it was definitely a great film. Don't blame you for being your number one one bit. I could see why. Yeah,
2: but uh, that's the uh, the best of 2018. Now let's briefly talk about the worst of 2018 because we had some doozies this year. Um, now for this, I don't expect anybody to have honorable mentions, but I have some. I have some, one, dis- I have some just dishonorable reason.
3: mentions. <laughs> this, <yes>.
2: okay. <laughs> so I have one and the only reason it's a dishonorable mention is because I want it's a bad film but I in its own weird stupid way I love it and that's the hurricane heist like as soon as I saw the skull form in the clouds of the hurricane I knew what the hell kind of movie this was going to be <laughs> and yes this movie is terrible cliched action film up the wazoo but god damn it if i didn't have a great time just laughing at this like it it, it took itself so seriously that like you know the parts that like were supposed to be like big action sequences i just was laughing my ass off and having a great time so there's no way i can like put it in a worst list if i actually like really really enjoyed it so that's why for me it's just a dishonorable mention but what about you guys
4: so i have a few but some of these are going to be controversial because they were darlings with the critics but i just i just got so incredibly underwhelmed and Sometimes with these films, I set them at a higher standard. So when they disappoint me, I have to put them in my in my dishonorable mentions. So that's where I'm coming from. So if the people are listening and saying, "What's that all about?" It's there's a high standard. When you get this kind of uh, critical critical what is it? Critical push and it doesn't deliver. So I'm gonna go with a. Uh, so I guess the 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 one that really reflects that is First Man. I was very disappointed with that movie. Um, that's one of those films. Really fast, I'm gonna say that there's always all these autobiographical films where let's be real the the guy wasn't he didn't live, he didn't live that kind of a great life but they, they have to you know uh, dramatize it a little bit so it could be a movie and first man I found it to be a chore to watch honestly and it's really kind of clunky it doesn't really for for being kind of a linear film you kind of have to you really don't know what's going on half the time they introduce these characters that are that are essential to uh Neil armstrong's life but then they don't really build them up but but when they're not around anymore that's all i'll say about that uh, it's supposed to be this big deal but they, they don't get the time to become a big deal i thought that movie was uh, i was very underwhelmed by that movie another one was uh, overlord i thought that was very dis- it has a great like steven spielberg is like saving prior ryan like first 10 minutes and then it just calls kind of falls flat uh
2: is that the one that JoJo Abrams yeah. produced? Was
4: that? Yeah, it was supposed yeah, to be okay. part of the Cloverfield universe, but then when uh another one that's also on my list was a big disappointment, they 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 re-edited it and they just made, called it Overlord. Oh, I uh, okay. And then there was a movie called Bad Samaritan, which was horrible. It's right up there with Her- oh, it was up there one. with Hurricane Heist but it was a horrible fucking movie. Uh just like you said, cliched, plot holes left and right. Uh it, it was these theatres, I don't even know why they go to theaters some of these movies, but they do. And here's a controversial one for you, Mark, because you loved it. Mid '90s, I thought was very underwhelming. Oh, really? I oh. thought, I thought it was a yeah. uh, it's a it's a Richard Linklater wannabe, but it, it didn't really capture what Richard Linklater could capture in these kind of films. Okay. It was kind of a film. When you think about it, it was a kind of a film about nothing, and that's really what it was about. I mean, um, you know, your typical teenage angst kind of film, but we've seen this films the mid 90s gave us about 25 films that are better than this Um, and that's pretty much it for me as far
3: as my dishonorable mentions Uh, my dishonorable mentions are probably more in line with what you would expect uh, bad movies to be Um, Rampage Uh oh god just oh, a terrible,
1: <laughs> Dwayne, I mean, Dwayne, Dwayne had two doozies
4: that were horrible. The yeah, he had bad year quality wise, but it,
3: oh, but God. both his movies made money. I know, um, I know Skyscraper didn't do well here, but apparently he made money overseas. So he's still, he's still untouchable as far as, you know, box office goes. Uh, but boy, <laughs> the, the rampage, the rampage suck ass. Um, Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom terrible movie uh just like I think that like honestly I I love Jurassic Park but I'd be fine if we never saw another Jurassic Park movie ever again um Oceans 8 what a boring ass movie that was uh there was a oh, better God. women-only heist film that came out later in the year with *Widows*. Uh, I thought that was—I thought *Widows* was a great movie, and it, it's everything that *Ocean's 8 wanted to be but couldn't be. Um, *Red Sparrow*—this was another kind of disappointing movie that was just—it oh. had a good premise yeah. and then it just shipped the bed with it. And uh, *Tomb Raider*, which was just just boring. Oh shit. God! Now, now, I've been—and
2: it had our boy Walton Goggins in. I've it, been, it, been wanting to watch it, *Red Sparrows*, like,
4: but the uh, the 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 length kind of. Keeps me away. It seems like a long
3: movie, and I don't want to like devote time to a movie that's gonna suck. It's like it's, two hours uh, and fifteen minutes. There, there's two good things about the movie. The one first stuff, it has decent cinematography. It's like really nice to look at. And two is Charlotte Rampling as a supporting character is really good. Um, everything else just terrible. Shitty movie.
4: Okay, good. I'm gonna skip it then because yeah, that runtime kind of throws me off. Yeah,
2: yeah it's not great. <laughs> um, so worst of 2018. So for me number three in that is a wrinkle in time
1: boring
2: dude like i don't and it was it's funny because like you know there was all this hype surrounding it like oh my god disney's making a wrinkle in time you know hopefully it'll be better than the last time they tried to do it or whatever and no like you'd think like you know with the with the lead actresses that they had to play those roles it'd be a little more interesting or with the kids that they had it it was just boring from start to finish like i couldn't i was like getting antsy like half what you just waiting for this shit to end like that was just a that was just bad storytelling dude just i boring. agree
3: it's my if we're going so is number your number five is like the fifth worst or your number one is the worst right so this yes. is so wrinkle of time is like my second worst
2: oh yeah for, i only picked like three of uh, uh for me i only did like a, a top three okay worst. i have five so that's my number three <laughs> Okay, that's, that's perfect. Uh, so, yeah, so for, for me, number three is A Wrinkle in Time. So, Adolfo, why don't you do your like five, four, and
3: three? Yeah, so then? five is Venom. Uh, I thought this movie sucked. Uh, like, it was uh, such a, it was a shitty movie. It uh, um, It was just a CGI mess. Like, it, you know, it had some interesting things with what Tom Hardy was kind of pretty much going for broke acting wise he was like fuck it I'm just going to have fun with this and that was kind of fun to watch every now and then but like after he actually gets the suit on which is like takes way too long and it takes like half the movie for him to actually get the Venom suit like it's just CGI garbage like it's dark like all the scenes are dark and he's wearing a dark fucking suit so like you never and nothing ever looks right and when he was going that, like during that motorcycle chase he, he it's like the same street like for 20 different shots of the same movie and then the final battle is like just two globs <laughs> fighting each other it's horrible. Um, that's my number five. Number four,
2: yeah, Tom Hardy is like the best yeah. part of that.
3: You know, like number four is Pacific Rim Uprising. Uh, I love the first Pacific Rim, but this was garbage. Um, nothing about this worked. Like the having fucking Charlie from it's always sunny in Philadelphia be the fucking villain of the movie was garbage it was stupid it made giant monsters and giant robots seem boring and that is a huge crime in and of itself uh number three is uh is a netflix movie called hold the dark i'm not sure if you guys have seen this um i was really disappointed with this movie it was by the same guy who did green room which i loved green room but uh this was really just kind of bad um it's uh it's a it's uh, Jeffrey Wright. It stars Jeffrey Wright, and he's like a guy who goes up to Alaska to like uh, investigate like this kid who was like taken by wolves. And then the movie takes like this really weird turn like halfway through, and it doesn't ever pay off, and it's boring as shit. And I really didn't like it. So that's my five through num- five through three. Five five through two because
2: you said Wrinkle in Time. Yeah, uh, and then
3: Wrinkle right? in Time. Yeah, that's right.
2: Yeah. so draymond do you have like five or okay yes
3: um so the first one
4: is the predator fuck that movie dude
2: that movie was so bad the
4: the the writing was horrible they try to do the old trope of like you know all the wacky guys on the same mission they didn't work that that last sequence when the predator is finally you know fighting the crew it's a it's a big mess because you can't see shit to the point where like one of the characters literally disappears one of the big characters disappears in the middle of the fight and they never bring him up again now I heard later on that you could you could see when they kill him but you have to kind of keep keep an eye out for it I'm talking about the Sterling K. Brown character if anybody's seen that movie I mean he's a big villain and then there's a fight and then we just never see him again that's it he's gone just horrible editing uh, Olivia Munn is horrible she, she goes from, from spaceship to spaceship in like a second I don't know how yeah. um and it, it, this is a big mess the only thing the only good thing about it was the alpha thomas jane getting a payday bro he always pops me that's about <laughs> it but i mean wh-
2: what about keegan michael key bro getting a payday <laughs> that's true you're right about that
4: um that boy holbrook which which i don't know they tried to push this guy um he he, he but he, it's not working with me you know he was also he was the main bad guy in logan you know and uh he was in narco season one and two but i don't know this guy doesn't do it for me that has alfie allen from uh from uh game of thrones also just kind of thrown in together like this was a horrible fucking movie man and it's a shame too because it was directed by shane black
2: yeah but that boyd holbrook so who who's getting the who had a worse push bro this guy boyd holbrook or jai courtney bro
4: no the fuck no the <laughs> fucker from battleship remember he's got like four bombs under his belt <laughs>
2: That's true. <laughs> so that's your number five, you said, worst?
4: Yes. Well, I know particular order because all these films no suck. No particular order. Okay. You know, um, and to keep it on the Sterling K. Brown front, Hotel oh. Artemis, bro. What a oh. fucking piece of shit that was.
2: But Jeffrey Goldblum's in that,
4: right? Yeah, for like two minutes. Oh,
2: and it's, it's
4: one of those, like, Tarantino knockoffs that, that you know, for years people... Bro, you ain't Tarantino. Nobody there's only one Tarantino, and that's Tarantino, all right? So don't try it. That's right. Um and and uh and it was just a bad fucking movie, bro. It just and I don't know. And then um you guys already said Jurassic Kingdom, horrible, ocean says horrible. The nun. That's another one that pissed me off. It, it's a whole bunch of nothing up into the last act, but it's a bunch of just stalling and nothing's really going on. You could tell they had a concept, but they didn't have a story, so it just made a whatever and, and yeah so that one was like wasn't very good but my number 1 was Cloverfield Paradox oh my god that movie sucks oh. so bad that's that number movie, one too that movie so the big gimmick there was about the, the you know you're watching the Super Bowl and all of a sudden they put the trailer for Cloverfield Paradox everybody gets excited and then they get more excited cuz it's like you don't have to watch it in theaters after the game you can it's it'll be available that was a good marketing strategy by Netflix we got to give them credit for that but the movie was horrible. It's First so bad. of all, you could tell this was another movie, all right? But they they, they, they went on and they filmed a couple scenes kind of connecting it to Cloverfield, and they just put it out there. What this film was about, I'll never know. But it looked interesting, whatever the original film was. But when they pieced it back together to make it a Cloverfield film, it was it, it just didn't make any sense. And it, every, everything was like pigeonholed to like add – cloverfield things to it and it was just bad and and the time travel thing didn't make any sense and it, what a bad film and, and everybody hated it so i'm not the only
3: one yeah it was my number one worst movie of the year i i, I oh, absolutely oh my it's God. so bad and it is it, really disappointing because it has a good premise uh like it, it's a decent enough premise of like having like being in this like alternate timeline or whatever they they are but then you're right when they try to hand like just hammer in like the cloverfield like universe aspect of it it just doesn't work and also it just looks fucking cheap like for it you have netflix money like spend it you know what i mean like it 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 looks like it looks like it was shot on like 10 million dollars it looks really cheap and like there were points where like i literally laughed out loud dude when that like hand started crawling on the floor like the fucking thing from the adams family i started (laughs) laughing I started laughing because yeah. it's not it's not even it's not scary it's not serious it was just hilarious like it's just bad I was really that movie sucked I'm with you and it had, and it had a good
4: cast and too it had like Daniel Bruhl who's you know he's a good actor a good it had John Ortiz who's a great character actor um it, it had it had some a, a good it had like a the whole gimmick was that they were an international cast so you had legitimate international actors. Uh, that are pretty big in their native land, which I thought was cool. But again, the, the thing here was that this was a whole nother movie. This wasn't the movie they shot. And that's the thing about Clover, the Cloverfield Universe. Um, say, same thing with uh with 10 Cloverfield Lane. That was also another movie um, that they re-edited, but that one was actually really good. And like you said, it's so tacky. There's a scene where they have the guy, because for whatever reason, one of the one of the, the lead characters, the girls communicating with her husband or her boyfriend. I forget, I only saw this shit once. And he's on Earth while, while I guess Cloverfield, that's what we call the monster, Cloverfield. Fuck it. I guess Cloverfield is attacking the city already. And there's a shot where the guy looks up and they just cheaply edited a sound effect of a monster walking by, bro. It's not, you could tell that's not what he's reacting to, but it's just there. And they fuck up their entire like continuity uh, because all of a sudden at the end, and I'm going to spoil this shit because I don't want nobody to watch it. Uh, they're in a, this pod and they're landing and then the chlorophyll monster just looks up so now all of a sudden this monster is like 300 feet tall where in the in the original he's only like you know a baby or whatever and it just doesn't make any sense now the reason they did this is because everybody got on J.J. On Abrams' ass about these films how they're not really connected so they kind of saw through his shit so his whole, so his whole idea was to create this paradox storyline where it was the rift in that in that space continuum that gives us these other dimensions. So it was a cheap way to cover his ass and say, look, the the, the paradox thing created this vortex in time, and now every time you see one of these films, that's the, that, that's why it's the way it is. They're not really connected, but they are connected because it's different dimensions that was started with this film. But it, it, it's all bullshit because you just piece together a script and a, and a film, and you try to give us that. It's no wonder Paramount – Paramount knew too because they sold this shit right out. They were like, fuck it. They give it to Netflix. You give us a couple a couple bucks and take this shit. So that's what
3: happened. Oh, uh, See, I didn't know that it was a Paramount movie that they gave to Netflix. I thought yeah. it was a Netflix-only movie. Like they, no, no. They, Netflix bought it. Oh, they okay. I thought they produced it. Like, Either no. way, it doesn't matter whether it was Paramount or Netflix. It, it still looks cheap as shit.
4: Yeah, but Paramount was smart enough to know this shit wasn't going to fly as a theatrical. That's why they, they, they dumped it. Uh, Okay. yeah, and so and so the effect of this was that JJ had to go back and re because the one that was going to be theatrical was Overlord. It was called Cloverfield Overlord. so he he went back and he recut that one and just kind of released it as a standalone film called Overlord, which has no connection to Cloverfield. Um, and and so that was interesting, but yeah, no, this kind of fucked up a lot because Cloverfield has a like the first Cloverfield's is awesome. The Matt Reeves one that was like it's considered, a, it's considered a cult classic, and it's a great fucking movie. This yeah. was this was before all these monster movies came out, and and uh, the 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 what do you call it, the shot shot on video format was still kind of cool. Um, the found footage format, I meant so so Cloverfield. 1, which came out in 2008, that was kind of a big deal, and, and it does have a huge following, so people have been waiting for like a proper sequel to that for years. Like, just just give us another fucking monster terrorizing the city, you know, and that's how everybody wants. But they try to get cute with all these, you know, piecing together all these other films and putting it in the quote-unquote chlorophyll universe,
3: and it doesn't work. Yeah, I think they got cocky with with because uh, 10 Chlorophyll Bladen was so good, so they they thought they could get away with it here, but like, yeah, you know what? The the conceit of 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 creating a paradox to explain all this isn't a bad idea, but holy shit, was it poorly executed?
4: Yeah, yeah.
3: And and they even have a character
4: um, in in, uh, in tank in uh, Paradox pretty, pretty much spoon feeding you that the the when they're in the newscaster <laughs> oh you know what the <laughs> the paradox he he could uh, it, it's gonna open other dimensions and and other things are gonna come through that it, dude you don't have to spoon feed me this shit you know just stop bullshitting.
2: Yeah, this is one of those movies that I was excited about as soon as I saw that commercial during the Super Bowl. And then, like, I waited, like, a week because I just – I didn't get around to watching it. And then by then, like, everybody was like, oh, this movie sucks. And I never got around to watching. it. Yeah, don't waste your time. I, it's terrible. I, pro- I probably never no, watched it's, it. No,
3: it's terrible. It's a shitty movie.
2: Yeah, like, I feel like if I had to watch it, I'd be with you guys. I'd be my number one. But uh as it turns out, so my number two worst of the year is actually that Death Wish remake. Fuck that movie. That was a piece of trash. <laughs> as I uh, – Kind of ranted on when we reviewed it on the show. Um, So, yeah, screw that movie. Um, And then my number one worst of 2018, I think this is probably because it was the biggest disappointment for me because I probably was looking forward to it the most and it really like let me down in like a lot of horrible ways was Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. Fuck that movie. (laughs) Um, That movie, I I came out of it just like, oh my god, like I just, it it was Jurassic Park 3 all over again. And I think we talked about that on the show, Adolfo. Like, this is just, you know, one of those movies that is just like, now, like, I liked how Jurassic World kind of revived the franchise in a way but now this kind of killed it again and now they're gonna do another sequel I don't know what it's gonna be about I don't care at this point it's just you know just it, it, they've milked that for all it's worth now and I'm not even looking forward to it at all so yeah fuck that movie Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom my worst it's a shitty movies. movie
3: I mean the, the, it, I'll yeah. cross the board these are all shitty movies
4: you know Chris Pratt he's gotta fire his agent man because this guy was hot for a, for a while he was like he, he could've you know I feel he just, yeah, he he didn't make the right choices, and now he's kind of like not hot anymore. Like this guy, this guy was the it
3: guy for a very long time. I don't know and though, but the Jurassic Kingdom did like make like a billion dollars, so it's not that bad of a choice, right? Yeah, but also for
4: for you know nowadays with social media, people look more into the critical acclaim aspect of it more so than the money it makes, and right. that does affect the bottom line. Um and and look at the this guy went on to do the, Magnis- the magnificent seven which was a great film I like that remake a lot. Love that Um, but he wasn't the main guy. Denzel was the main guy. And then he did Passengers, which was a horrible film. Oh,
3: that movie is terrible.
4: And then he did Jurassic World, Fallen Kingdom. So he it, well he had Guardians in there in the middle, but um no yeah this guy he 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 had the world by his hands there for a while. He was one of those like actors that transcended pop culture because of uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, and now he's like
3: you know he's just another guy now. You know, it's funny you mentioned passengers. I just saw a video recently about how like the movie would have been much better if they re-edited it so that like you don't know that Chris Pratt was the one who opened her pod until like halfway through the movie. So that way like it becomes more of like a, like a, a like more of like a creepy thriller kind of thing. Yeah. Like as opposed to like the way it plays out, which is just really shitty, um, but like, but like, I think like if they would have edited it that way, like you start with her like opening up, and then like you, then you kind of go back and see like what he went through before he opens up the pod. I think that would have been a much better movie. But the way the movie is now, the movie's terrible.
2: Yeah, I actually watched Passengers. I think when I was flying to Dallas for WrestleMania 32, it was the in-flight movie. So that's what I watched. That's how I watched. Uh, <laughs> that's
3: how I watched the uh, Ocean's Eight, and I still want my money back. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah man and, th- and that trailer was so promising too that passengers one, like I-, I was hyped to see it i never got around to see it in the theater so then when it was on the plane going to death, I was like oh I'll-, I'll watch this then sucked bro i was like so now go- go- going back to uh
4: widows now i'm not going to spoil anything on here but but there is a twist in there that pissed me off dude I-, I didn't like that movie and it was going good into that twist and i was like why why do you have to go that route and then it becomes a you know it becomes a basic uh you know Mustache trolling
3: villain at that it, was, it just sucked, and I, I was I was very disappointed with. Widows. I know the twist you're talking about. I, I I see your point, but I still really enjoyed that movie regardless of that twist. Yeah, the first half was really really good though. I really enjoyed it, and I was like, that's probably why it disappointed
4: me even more because it was like it's, it, it looks so gimmicky, you know. It, well, I'm not gonna say though. I'll tell you guys off fair. The other thing that tripped me out about that movie, but if I say it here, it'll reveal too much.
2: I still have to check out Widows as well. I've been wanting to see it for you know since I saw the trailer. You know the, the pretty uh, the trailer they did for that was really really good. So I've been wanting to see it for a while now. But uh, but anyway, um, so there you have it, folks. That's our best and worst of 2018. But before we go, um, I know Adolfo, you didn't get to be part of the conversation last week. Um, just looking ahead to 2019. Um, last week, Draven and I did talk about the ones we're looking forward to the most. Like what? Just off the top of your head, the 2019 films. You're looking forward to oh that's game.
3: a good question um i mean certainly avengers endgame um and the spider-man far from home are definitely two movies i definitely want to see um uh captain marvel comes out next week that should be interesting um yeah. uh, let me think toy story <laughs> 4 i think could be cool um, and the thing is like you know, yeah,
2: this yeah we said like last last week we said that this this year for Disney is yeah, be- and
3: the thing is, like, I'll, I'll, I'm naming like big budget movies because that's the only ones like we know ahead of time. Like, we're not going to know all the art house movies. Yeah, we out. talked
4: about all, all the dark horses that come out through other other years, but I did refer to this year as an equinox year because we have a big, pretty big slate. All, actually, starting this month, all the way to the end of the year, there's something big uh, every single month, and and not only just big, very exciting, you know. And then of course we're yeah. going to close it off with Episode Nine. Uh, we should, still, should start building some momentum, you know, pretty soon. I don't know when they're going to drop the first
2: trailer. Probably at celebration. Yeah, yeah. and then
4: um, again, and then, like I marked out last year, this is a Tarantino year. Let's not forget that. And and all oh, right, there's, that's right. There is only one filmmaker where it's an event to see his movie, and that goes by the name of Quinn Tarantino. Whenever he brings out a movie, that's an event for me. So uh, I'm looking forward to that. Uh, we got the Joker movie, which, being a fan of Walking Phoenix, I'm looking forward to. Um there there's a lot of great movies coming out this year. We have uh the, the Godzilla King of Monsters movie coming out. Yeah, that looks out. like fun. That looks like fun. Uh I hope it's not as, as I wouldn't say bad, but the first one didn't
3: age real well, so I hope they do a better job. You know, I haven't seen the first one since I since since it came out, and I liked it when it came out, but I haven't I haven't caught up with it since then. Um so but it but from the trailers it looks like a fun, like um uh just a fun like you know monster movie oh what's that one that I think the James Gunn movie that's like a like what if Superman was evil kind of thing or like you know what's that one called yeah and it looks uh, cool It looks. Uh, I forget what it's called but it looks kind of neat like where it, it's basically like a kid with powers but like he goes the other way you know like not, not the way of like a, a good guy but the way of like someone who's just evil all over, and that, that looks really neat. Um, but I, yeah, but I can't think of the name right now. But it looks it looks good. Um, first, but yeah, first, is it first born? It can't be first born. No, it's not that. It's something else. Uh, I don't know how the hell
4: they got. The, I don't know. It, it's like uh, Chris Rock says. Somebody's about to get sued. Uh, Bright, Brightburn, Brightburn. Yeah. Brightburn.
3: Yeah. 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 That's the one. Anyway, that 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 uh, that one looks pretty good. And um, that one's
4: around the corner too. I think it's this
3: month or next month. It, it's in.
1: Oh, the okay. Day.
3: Yeah, they're, they're, there's
4: a lot of good tomorrow. films coming out Which is the opposite of last year Because last year even seeing the slate wasn't that enticing But this year there's a lot And I'm looking forward to So I should jump on that AMC, you know, A-list thing
2: Yeah I mean, just looking at this month We got uh, Captain Marvel around the corner uh, uh, Dumbo's at the end of the month, too Like we were just talking That's going to be the first, I think Those two are, are both Disney They're going to be, like, big money makers Lion so, King That's just in this month And Lion King, that's in July, I think So, yeah there's a lot that uh the and the furious the
4: hobs and whatever
2: uh, when, <laughs> we talked about last week with the uh, joanna why getting the payday that's right <laughs> just, i thought it was funny so yeah and, who was now cancer free everybody so in case you didn't know so that's that's yeah. good news. uh but anyway um so yeah that's gonna do it for eat. us we have, have it, it, just, a, eat it chapter two. <laughs> that's right that's a lot of <laughs> them bro uh there's a lot of great shit coming out this year. But uh, I think with that, we're going to wrap up Force Perspective episode 116. Any questions, comments, feedback, send an email to podcast at gmail.com. You can follow the show on Twitter at FPMoviePodcast. You can follow me on Twitter at guy 515 uh, Adolfo, you can go ahead with your plugs. Uh,
3: EssentialFilmsPodcast.com is the website. The essential Podcast uh, is the podcast you want to listen to about the classic movies we just did, The Silence of the Lambs, uh, which I, which was, uh, I think, a really fun episode. There's also a bonus features episode where we talk all about Jeff Goldblum. Um, that's also out there. Um, our next episode is going to be 2001 A Space Odyssey, where uh, it's going to be, that'll be an. a Conversation because that's a very difficult movie to to analyze, um, and uh, that'll drop probably sometime this month, I, I think, uh, depending on when we get we get a chance to record. Um, you can catch that on iTunes. Uh, it's also we are now available on Google Play and Spotify. So uh, check that out
2: there. Yes, and Draven, the other half of the KLB. What do you got? Coming oh, we don't out?
4: have anything right now, so I really, I really uh, not going to plug anything right now. We'll, we'll come back soon, but uh, as of now. That we don't have nothing. If you want to see, hear some of our archives, you can go to uh, geekdom 101com We have all of them right there. But uh, we talk wrestling, wacky wrestling, and that's about it. Uh, we'll be back soon.
2: Yeah, and for those of you who aren't KLB fans, I encourage you definitely check out the archives as well as join the Facebook page because that page is hopping lately. They got some good, uh, some good stuff going on there. So uh, just tell the people where they can join. Uh, you
4: go to the KLB, K okay, Fabulous Lucha Brothers on Facebook. If you type in the KLB it'll it'll be the first one that comes out as a choice to uh, go on there uh you'll go on there and uh join the fun we we get uh we get wacky but we also talk serious wrestling sometimes and we also have scoops because we have some people there that have connections to the wwe and they get us some that know too much yes they do know too much and uh so so (laughs) once in a while we have breaking news uh specific to our page The last episode was very good. We we talked about AEW and the ascending descendants of that company. I broke down why I think they're gonna fail, and it's it's just they 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 have too much of a mountain to climb for me to be uh, positive about their outcome. It's just it's just the way it is. Um, And Vince McMahon has way too much money. They have money too. Don't get me wrong, but Vince has well, he might not have more money because those cons are loaded, man. They they own the Jaguars and. But uh, it's a very interesting uh, time we're in in wrestling because for the first time in close to 20 years, Vince has an actual competitor, and when that happens, all of wrestling benefits. The the product gets better, the the wrestlers get more money, and you know, we, Chris Jericho just bought a home worth 3.5 million dollars from his AEW contract, so that that gives you an idea of where the money's headed, um, and. You know, it's it's a free agent market right now, and and so that's going to be interesting. We'll see where that goes. Uh, so that that's that's the topic of conversation we have in the in the last show. And uh, yeah, again, Geekdom 101 is where you could find it.
2: Yeah, definitely check that out, everybody, if you're wrestling fans. Um, so I think next episode, I think we're going to start the uh, MCU chronology, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, I don't know, maybe we we'll, maybe, we might squeeze in maybe one film, just kind of review some recent stuff. But if not. I think our next episode is going to be the uh, Phase One uh, Marvel. Can episode, I make, a, so can, definitely... I
3: make some, can I make a suggestion while we're on the air? Yeah, Since no, no. next week, literally next week is Captain Marvel. Why don't we kick off the MCU retrospective by reviewing Captain Marvel and then going into the the backlog?
2: Yeah, that sounds like a plan. I mean, we can do Captain Marvel like right there on the spot, and then kind of begin uh, the uh, Phase One right after that. Kind of, kind of. Get leading up to that and all that stuff, so and it's pretty
4: it's pretty yeah. cool because um, Adolfo knows all the all the characters from a comic book perspective, and I'm gonna break down the psychology of the characters, and you know just read because I I just I started already I think I'm on I have to watch Avengers one that's where I'm at right now, and just the the, the what I've noticed it's it's just an incredible piece of filmmaking and and how they've connected us and we'll talk about it more later but yeah it's going to be very interesting it's going to be a very cool retrospective
2: all right so definitely check out episode 117 next time where we review captain marvel and then begin our dive into the past 10 that's going to be 11 years now 11 years of the mcu so with that on behalf of adolfo and draven i'm sports guy 515 mark the mark whatever you want to call <laughs> me uh thanks again for joining us and until next time we are out of here